It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Talking Boxing with Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay. Uh, I'm joined right now with uh, John Moskionis uh, from LDL TV. And we kind of have a sad uh, show to do today because uh, my co-host Sal Senecola has passed away. And I wanted to uh, remember Sal from uh, a light that maybe a lot of you guys that have watched and, and been part of. Um, this show and Sal being part of the show and you you kind of got to know Sal in a way as an analyst and uh, uh, a comedian and everything else but John and I uh, have known uh, Sal from a much better light so first and foremost uh, uh, welcome to the show again John I hope things are going great they are it's been a sad day here in uh north florida south georgia this week it's been you know the community up there in st simon's was um i'm not going to say they were in shock he was sick a long time but it's um you know the passing of a legend in uh south georgia italian food yeah you know when he told me he sold uh the place about what it was i guess it had to be about a year and a half ago I was wondering about that, you know. Um, have you been there since uh, since Sal? Uh, not since he passed, but since um, you know he turned yes. it over, and yeah. it, it can't possibly be the same. Well, it, it is. They left it pristinely the same with all of his stuff in there. Nothing has changed at all. A family that were were customers um, bought the business from Sal. Um, I think it was. Um, uh, they were big fans of Sal's. Um, it, they're running it quite well, um, but it's exactly the same as when Sal was there. And Sal was coming in and doing some, you know, he was making appearances there for a long time, uh, as long as he could. Uh, I, I actually, my, my dad passed away last year. His last meal was in Sal's. Um, Sal wasn't there because I didn't want Sal to come in and pay for the meal like he always does. Yeah. My dad said, don't don't call Sal. He's going to come in. He's going to pay for the meal, and I'm so embarrassed. But, uh, yeah, at, at that time, the family had taken it over. and um, But uh, they're doing a pretty good job, but it's a really sad day up in uh, St. Simons. It really, truly is. There's, um, you know, there's – I haven't – I'm going up for the wake tomorrow uh, at between 6 and 8. It's in the same funeral home where my dad was – where they – took care of my dad and it's in st william's church the funeral which we're going to stream on ldl tv it'll be everywhere so that the people in new jersey can watch it so yeah it's a and i actually heard from sal's son nicholas by text he wrote me a nice text uh sal's got two sons sal jr who is i believe he's a senior at university of georgia uh who won pretty convincingly last night over clemson and um, he's got another son, Nicholas, uh, who I believe is 19 or 20 years old, lives in St. Simons. And, and, and he was taken care of, by the way, very well by his ex-wife, Lisa, who really stepped up and took care of Sal all the way along the way. There was just an enormous amount of medical stuff that went on. He was in Emory Hospital for like almost six months. He was in a rehabilitation in St. Simons, and then he started to go downhill over the last month or so 
um, I wanted to go see him a couple times and he didn't answer his phone. And then two weeks ago, I was going to go see him and I got a cold. I didn't have COVID, but I got a cold. And I said to Lisa, God, I don't want to go up there. I'm coughing and I'm sick and I don't want to go up there and see him. And she said, no, don't worry about it. He's, he's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. And then um, she texted me on Monday night and said he's in really bad shape. And then I got an email from you and a couple, bunch of other people, Eric Botcher and a lot of people in the boxing business. You know how it is in the boxing business. It, the word travels fast. And I, I called the hospice, and they actually put him on the phone with me. And I was able to talk with him, and he wasn't able to talk. He whispered something to me. Um, you know, I just told him, hey, man, I love you. Uh, and, and then he, uh, about, you know, four or five hours later, he passed away. So it's, you know, it's been a tough week, man. It's just been tough. The guy was just, as you know, full of energy. Um, I, I went to, he had a birthday party about a year ago that we went to. I did a music video, which it turned into a tribute video, which is up there on all the Facebook and everywhere else, uh, to him. And I think the community's um, a little bit in shock. I mean, it was, um, you know, Sal was a, a integral part of that St. Simon's community there. You were there, you know, especially when we went to promote the, the fight, you know. Uh, Sal was a guy full of energy. Everybody knew him everywhere you went. Anytime I went where, anywhere with him, I mean, we went to the barbecue place one time to eat he wanted to go eat and it's just you'd think he owned the place everybody that walked in and out of the barbecue cell you know yeah he it was uh he uh he was something and and you know a, a lot of those events and we did a lot uh through ldl tv uh at sal's place i mean sal maybe a lot of people don't know this but uh but sal made all of that happen uh out of his own pocket and um it was interesting because what you just said, how everybody, um, you know, treated him and looked uh, up to him. And, and the one knock when I used to always bitch at him about it was I'm like, Sal, you know, ask some of these people for sponsorship, you know, like and he wouldn't do it. Remember how he yeah. would never he would never do it. He would rather whip out a, a, a checkbook and, and pay for things himself without asking. And I'm sure I'm sure that he would have gotten support even during his fight and, and during the other events we did at his place, which were all, uh, I mean, come on. How did we even pull those off, John? I mean, I don't know, when, but, when you but think of you, it. I, I want to just tell you a couple good stories on a good note for Sal. Just, uh, I know you remember this because on the week of that fight, um, that and, and by the way, that was the first, you know, I was in the boxing promotion business with Don King for 19 years, but I had my own, area I was in accounts receivable and you know you, it, and it was a big organization but I took on promoting that fight and you were down there for it and you watched it and and that was the first and last fight I'll ever promote the, <laughs> the amount of pressure that's on you to promote a fight but anyways the week of the fight you were down and we did a show you know two or three four or five nights out in front of Sal's and one day I was running around and my stomach was I could barely even eat but you know we were in Sal's every single day and there was one day I sat there and and my mom was my mom and dad my my, my mom's still alive but my dad was still alive then too obviously and um, I said to you hey we're we're at Sal's we're sitting at the bar and I said hey man you know I'm I, I got to go run and do all these couple of errands and if you want to uh, 
come to my my parents' house to my mom's house, um, you can't. She, you know, she, you know. I don't know what she's going to make for lunch or whatever, but it, whatever it is. And you st- and you looked and Sal turned around. He was at the bar and it was in the afternoon. It was like maybe noon or something. And Sal said, "Billy, what what, what do you want to eat?" And you said, "Well, I, I don't know." And I said, "Well, it's my mom's house or Sal's." And you looked around. And he said, "No offense, bro, but I'm I'm staying here at Sal's." So. <laughs> Cut to about three hours later, and Billy sees sitting back at the bar, and he's holding his belly, and he's leaning back. He's going, "Oh, I can't eat another thing. I had a, I had a, I, uh, what was it? I had three slices of pizza. I had a stromboli. I had this. I, I can't even eat another thing." Sal says, "What else you want?" And he said, "No, no, no. I got, I gotta go, Sal. I gotta give up. I can't eat anymore." And I just said to myself, and you know, that was just. Sal, you know, I was there's an there's an article today, uh, yesterday, and if you can read it, by a gentleman that was a uh, worked for a radio station there locally. I, I don't remember. I remember his face. I don't remember his name. I just read it again, and he said the charm of that place was that the tables were close together, so it made you feel like you were an Italian family eating dinner. Now I was married to an Italian girl for a little while, short about that much, and. Uh, that's the way it was at her house. The family was all there, and everybody was sitting around eating. And and that's my favorite restaurant of all time. It'll, I'll never have another restaurant that I love more than that place. All the times that we worked there and did stuff, but the atmosphere, every time I went in, Sal was singing on the microphone, and then he, he would embarrass me by saying, this is my manager, and he made my dream come true. And it was kind of funny, but it was kind of embarrassing, too. And then he'd point to the Guinness Book of World Records thing, the certificate that I got. I think I got it for him. I, I applied for it and got it. And um, and 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 then he, you know, and it was kind of embarrassing. Some and then he paid for dinner every time. Which I went in there with my parents a couple of times, and my dad was so embarrassed. Like it, my dad was so embarrassed one time. My dad gave me a bunch of cash. Said, pay for that meal. Don't let him pay for it. And Sal came over and he goes, don't give me any money. So it was like 150 bucks. So I gave the 150 bucks to the, to the waitress and didn't tell my dad because my dad was so uncomfortable. He didn't want to feel like he wasn't paid for it. And Sal, you know, of course he, that that's the way he was. He wanted, when we came in, we were treated like royalty. You know, every time we went there, he treated us like royalty. Um, you know, we brought him back to the, to the boxing business and he did his thing. And, um, you know, and, and I was always kind of, a, I was a little embarrassed, you know, when he'd introduce me and do stuff like that. But it, but it was, it was truly the best, warmest place. And I've been back there a couple times. Um, like I, I, I had the last meal with my dad before he passed away. He came back to St. Simon's and he, and he died a couple of months. My dad was in good day. He said, let's go to Sal. My dad would say, my mom didn't like it because she thought it was too, it was too crowded in there. You know, you met my mom. It's too crowded in here. It's all that. I said, but my mom, that's the charm. My dad would say, let's go to Sal's. You know, let's let's go to Sal's. So we snuck there a bunch of times. And he had his last meal there. He drank two Peronis. And I didn't call Sal because he told me, please, don't call Sal. He's going to come. He's going to pay for lunch. I don't want him to do it. I said, okay, Dad. And when I, I told Sal later, I said, hey, Sal, we were in there. We ate. And he goes, oh, why, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? I said, no, no, no. My dad was, he, he didn't want you to pay for uh pay for lunch he was he was embarrassed about that but i've got nothing but great memories you know i think about that place and the food and the smell and the the, the frank sinatra playing and sal with the microphone and 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 look at i remember you saying to me 
before you ever went there. I'll be the judge of that. And I was talking about the pizza. I'm like, I'm not a New York guy. I mean, I grew up in upstate New York, but I'm not a New York City guy, so I'm no expert on it. I said, but it's it's the best thing I've ever had. He said, I'll be the judge of that. I'll be the judge of that. And a couple, you know, you've been there for a while, and you go, this is pretty good First time. No, the first time. So when I first went, I I think that's the first time I, I met Sal in person. Well, we went down there for something. And he was ready for me. You must have said something to him. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. About about the pizza, right? So he comes out. I, I never said nothing. Like you know, I I didn't order anything. Or well, well, the only thing was is I always said, well, I'm gonna you know my test for pizza was just a plain. You know, just give me a plain pizza. Um, and I didn't know anything about the backstory of that place, John. And that's the truth. And he brought out that first slice. <laughs> the first slice, you know, the first, <laughs> the first of many. But he brought out that first pie, right? And uh, the first bite, I just went, oh, my God, this is it. You know, uh, uh, top three pizza that I ever had in my life was one of Sal's. Um, and then he goes to tell me what people don't know is, first of all, all of the, the recipes were family recipes that he had. That's number one. Number yep. two. All of his ingredients were top-notch. He imported stuff, and, and I could tell right away with the cheese, right? But the most important piece of the whole puzzle, which I never knew, was that the oven, remember? He had it dismantled in, yes. in a, an old pizza place. It's an old yes. brick oven. He had it dismantled and shipped that monstrosity shipped yes. from Long Island down there. So, yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, $60,000 he spent on that oven. Ugh. Used. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Well, well, listen, it it it, it made anything. Remember, 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 Sal when he was making pizzas and he had that stick with the boxing glove. Yeah. And, and at the end, of, at the, at at the end of a, uh, I forget what they call him. That you flip into pizza and yeah. they're doing it, and he's he's dot, he's doing head movement while, like while while he's making it. And and you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned about uh, uh, you mentioned about the. Um, uh, you know, work atmosphere there with the singing and all of that stuff, and uh, it was like clockwork. It, it, I used to love watching the wait waitresses; like they just knew it. I, I mean, it was just like that same thing over and over. Then when, once you created the, uh, and he wasn't a technological genius, that's for sure. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, he did but, his barrel on yeah, a piece of, uh, oh, on a spiral notebook. The, the you remember? First, yeah. Well, the first time I I remember saying to him, dude. I, I'll hook you up with QuickBooks. You could save hours of time, you know. And he's, well, the first time I ever went into his office, I was amazed. You remember the office? Like there was a path through all that stuff. He was a pack rat, you know. And uh, there was a path through all that. There was his desk stacked with shit on there. I mean, it was like unbelievable. And he's like, "Oh, sit down, sit down. Where, where, you know?" And uh, he never got rid of anything. And uh, we had such a good time with with all those events, and what people don't understand, I know, I know, uh, a lot of listeners had come down and and been part of those events and what have you, um, but uh, um, the the complexity of doing it, because remember, he would never want he would never want to give up the the night, the business, right? No. Like, oh, you can have this table out, you know, out here, whatever, and people would be coming in, and we we got a lot of attention, and and about introducing. He always embarrassed the hell out of me because he would say to these people that don't know a left hook from a fish hook, this is Billy C. Traveled all the way from New York to come down here, you know, and it was just like, oh, they're like <laughs> trying to be polite. Oh, hey, nice to meet you, you know, and it's like, oh, who the hell is this guy, you know? It was just uh, those, funny those, stuff. Uh, those, fight, those fight night um, 
specials, though, you know, we had 585,000 viewers on the night of the Pacquiao Mayweather. <laughs> I made the mistake of putting a phone number up there, a Skype line. Oh, it blew our to, Skype out, remember? We couldn't do I it I had anymore. to shut it off. Yeah. yeah there was... It was so many people, but, um, but I mean, and we had, uh, you know, we had a few people there. There was, um, Michael Moore was there and was it Plexico Burris? Wasn't he there? Um, yeah, Plexico and, Burris was there and, uh, uh, well, we were all Bob, making fun of him because he had just, he was out of jail from shooting himself in the leg. Yeah, from shooting himself <laughs> in the leg. Right. Yeah. yeah. But so those, those fight night specials were great. And, and, um, you know, Sal really loved that stuff. It was a lot of work and, you know, he, just like you said, he, he, he would rather write a check than ask somebody for a sponsor. When we did his fight, he didn't want to sell any tickets. I said to him, Sal, you realize you could sell like a ton of tickets if you just offered them. And and I realized quickly that he didn't want to look at, he had this thing still from the 1980s that he had his whole outfit know, that he wore. He, he, Remember he, he came out, he wore he, That was his he, stuff. Retro shorts, right. as you said, <laughs> right? Retro shorts. But, but he didn't, he didn't want to sell any tickets. He still wanted to be that star boxer. That's that tickets. People just bought tickets because it was him. And I had a guy station. I had a good, do a lot of work to sell 250 or 300 tickets there it was a lot i had to hire a kid to sit out in front and he let the kids sit out in front and the kids sold you know a couple hundred tickets or whatever but um sal didn't want to recruit any sponsorship he didn't want to sell any tickets um you know and 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 what a, you know i i always joke with sal at the end i said you were such a, an old italian guy you know an old italian soul i said he came late to the fight, he came. He I was just going to say that. Meeting. And he got fined. Remember, they, uh, remember yeah, and, Frank's and, going. And, and Frank uh, Gentil was pissed. Yeah. And he said, "Sal," and Sal, like the old Italian soul he is, he puts his hand in his back pocket and he pulls out a wad of hundreds and fifties. And he goes, "How much is it, Frank?" And Frank goes, "Fifty." And I look at Frank, and Frank looks at me like this was some kind of crazy joke. And Sal gets to the bottom of a pile this thick and peels off a 50, and he goes, does that work? And Frank goes, yeah, that works, Sal. Go get in the locker room and get dressed. <laughs> and, and Sal thought, like I, I said, Sal, do you even remember doing that? He goes, yeah, yeah, I do. I go, that was just prototypical Sal move right there. Yeah, no. Nah. Show hey, up late. Hey, listen, I'm, uh, Alex Papali is uh, uh, here. I'm going to have him join. Uh, us as well um and uh we so we got all three of us on here but geez i'm i, I see you two guys i don't see my face all of a sudden you know but uh, <laughs> you gotta move over man yeah oh wrong way other way well yeah what's up what's up alex oh I, we can't hear you alex oh wait maybe because i gotta do that yeah, oh, sorry. I, I had muted when I was backstage. I wasn't sure. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, we're reminiscing good. about uh, a guy that will be uh, solely missed. I know you never got a chance to meet Sal in person, but John and I are, are reminiscing. Uh, it was quite the scene every time. It, you know what, John? There was never a just a, a simple visit with Sal. It was always it was always something extravagant. I remember I remember him taking me for a ride in his in uh, his car, right? And and, yeah. and and we're going to the radio station. We're doing something at the radio station, and uh, he's driving in the car. And I'm going, oh, Sal, you you smell, you smell that exhaust, right? Because he had an exhaust leak coming into the car. You 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 know, it was an Alfa Romero, an old yeah, one, yeah, yeah. And he goes, he looks at me with a serious face. He goes, you know, 
I always get tired when I'm driving this car. <laughs> I'm like, Sal, you get tired because you're freaking, you know. Oh, man. It was funny shit, funny stuff. But, uh, Boy, yeah, I'm sitting here laughing uh, when I was listening to hear the story about the, the wad of cash uh, and the payoff there. That was great, paying the fine. Yeah, well, it, it was $50 fine. But Sal, Sal, you know what? I, I it, it, Listen, and John, you know this. Sal cherished that whole thing. And he. what a lot of people don't know is he actually hurt his shoulder before that fight and didn't tell anybody. I mean... It's so different, and how ironic was it? Because that kind of gave him his first loss. It was an injury that he fought through, and we always compared, um, you know, his era, um, and uh, you know uh, what it was like to, um, you know, uh, fight and and not back out and all these things compared to today. And I mean, he did it right to the end, really. I mean. Uh, um, well, he, he he did. I mean, he was he, that guy was a warrior. I went to see him a couple times, and he was sick as hell. You know, he was. Uh, I did an interview with him, which I posted on his Facebook page, um, where he's talking about his pizza, and he was feeling a lot better. Um, but he was pretty pretty emotional. This is right after he had the first chemotherapy, and um, but you know, I could tell that he was just he he suffered a lot and he and he was he would he you know he was such a man he wouldn't complain about it but you, you know i know that he he suffered terribly and and he wasn't going to give up he, you know there was i, I talked with him pretty regularly you know like once a week or so for the last couple of years he just wasn't answering his phone the last month and a half or so and understandably um but but the guy the guy was a real man and 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 throughout this there were occasions where we would have long existential discussions about his career had he when he met carl king that time in 87 had he signed with don king and i said look at don king would have preserved you a white good-looking italian guy from that's undefeated Don would have done everything to keep you undefeated and then he probably would have fed you to chavez and while Chavez would have been favored and, and Sal admi admittedly would, uh, you know, admitted that it would have been a mismatch. But I said, I really would have liked to see it because I'll tell you one thing. There would have been a there would have been a lot of blood and there would have been a knockout, but it probably would be a pretty good fight for however long it lasted. And I actually had the same discussion with Don himself about Sal and he remembered Sal somewhat remember the name and he remembered meeting him one time at this golf match and i said he he wishes he had signed with you don you know and don eh, 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 yeah well you know he should have he should have and i said well sal regrets it well but, the big the big line with sal all the time was i'm, I'm gonna make a comeback like you know he went even when he was when he was first uh diagnosed with cancer and he was battling it and he got out he was feeling good uh, he Still said, I'm going to make a comeback. I'm going to make a comeback. I Still said, no, Sal. To. No, Sal. You know, but the whole illness was, was extremely hard uh, on him uh, and, and, of course, on, on the people that loved him. And, you know, never once, and, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Sal uh, for several months. Uh, when he got out of uh, uh, the hospital, when he, when he had the brain surgery, he told me, oh, I I, I'm going to rehabilitation. He sounded 100%. He sounded better than he had in a long time during that conversation. L literally, he was driving uh, or being driven, uh, and Lisa was there. And, 
you know, he said, I'm going to rehabilitation. And, and at that point, I, I, you know, I said to myself, and he's telling me how great he was doing. And I'm saying to myself, going to rehabilitation um, after the surgery, I was thinking, yeah, no, he's probably, you know, has to learn to walk and do all these things again. And then uh, I'll call you, I'll call you. And I, I never heard from him again. You know, um, I got uh, stuff written up. I, you know, I heard th things that were going on. I, I just, and I didn't want to bother him, you know, John. I, you know, and I feel so guilty about it now. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. but. Um, well, he was cancer free, you know, at one point. He literally he texted that. me. He I still have the text. But he said that. But how could that? I mean. No, no, he sent me the medical records. He sent me his medical records because I think he thought I didn't believe him. He sent me the medical report from Dr. Chow in, in, uh, Brunswick uh, Hospital there, and it said CAT scan, uh, no signs of. It didn't say cancer, no signs of my my wife read it, um, the the report to me, and uh, it it said no signs of, of cancer or tumors or anything. Wh whatever it was, it was pretty clear to me. But he he felt it necessary for me to see that, mm -hmm. and I saw it and I said, wow, well that's good. The problem was is that he had, um, he had brain lesions and one of the brain lesions was big it was in the front lobe right here my wife is an mri ct and um, cat scan technician so she knows about this stuff pretty well but then he had the cyber knife procedure which is a far more invasive now this is what sal said to me he said look at most people get no more than three treatments i've gotten i think he said seven and they essentially said to him look at we either do this or you're definitely going to die of brain cancer inside of three months. So they, they, they laid it out for him. And he said, I'm a man up. I'm going to do it. And then he had the cyber knife. And he said, that's that's the one that really put me down for the count, John. And and he and he came back to some extent from it. And then he went backwards. I talked to him one one day and he was, uh, he, you know, he was he was he was out of it. And then the next day, Lisa texted me and said, we're going to Emory. And that's when he went up to Emory and stayed there for about six months. I talked with him a couple times when he was in there. He was a little bit out of it. He actually was talking about you in one of the conversations. He was talking about that show that you guys did where you commentated on a fight from the 50s, I think it was, or something. You guys Didn't great. you guys go to that hotel there yeah. and do that or something? Yeah, it was uh, – uh, well, Dax Khan is going to join us here. Uh, too. Uh, what's up, Dax? Good morning. Uh, hey, good morning, everybody. Re remembering uh, Sal today. Uh, yeah, you know that that gets so many views. We 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 did a couple of um, fights where we broadcast them as if they were live. So we 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 played the video of the fight and had us calling the fight. And he was, was yeah, you know, he's going he's going like this. He's going, uh, there's a left, he lands a left, he's another left, another left, another left. He's been hit with so many lefts, he's right, you know, and it's like, you know, it's like, you know, but, but I'm, I, you know, on a sad note, I, I remember Alex uh, and Dax and myself, and of course, Sal, we were doing a show, and Sal didn't seem right. This was way back in the, in the beginning. Sal didn't seem right, and he just seemed lethargic. Uh, he he was having a hard time, uh, you know, grasping his thoughts. He, he got up and was walking around. Yeah, he was getting up and walking around during the show, which was totally not Sal. Um, and, and after the show, you know, we were talking through through Skype, and I said, Sal, you you all right? And he says, Oh man, he says, you know, I've been so tired lately. I've been lethargic. I, I lost fifteen pounds, and I go, Sal, 
you, you, something's definitely wrong. Go, go, go to the doctor. Now we hadn't done, we hadn't did a show the prior week. So the week, it was one week, you know, so one week he was normal. One week we didn't do a show. That second week comes back. I noticed this. He says, I'm going to the doctor. And that Tuesday I got the call. He says, Hey, uh, I, what, what did he say? Uh, oh, he, he says, Oh, maybe I'm, I'm getting, uh, Parkinsonism, right? Because remember, we did the whole thing on Parkinson and Parkinsonism, and he goes, uh, he says, "I got good news for you," and I said, "What?" He says, "It's not, it's not Parkinson's," and I said, "Oh, great!" He says, "It's brain cancer." And I was like, "Oh my God, Sal!" You know, and uh, that's the way he tried to handle it, you know, and uh, yeah, um, it was. I hated seeing him go through that, John, and I hated it because. As the fighter he was, he refused to get beat uh, by it. And for the most part, he, he battled further than anyone else. Well, I should say further than most people can when you're dealing with... I mean, we're talking brain cancer. And did they ever address, because it was lung cancer and, and what was it, liver or so, uh, kidney? Well, it kidney. started... The, the origination of the cancer was he had cancer in his... Kidney, right? In his kidney. I think it was the right-hand kidney. So... Um, and, and unfortunately, he had had symptoms for a year leading up to it, and he didn't address it, which he quietly told me one day. And I said, oh, man. And so they removed his kidney, um, and then they treated him with chemotherapy, a couple of different kinds of experimental chemotherapy. He had a patch when we uh, went to his birthday party last year. He had this patch on a pump that pumped it into him. Um, and he was, I, I just, I touched him on the shoulder and he was like, oh, you know, and it's Sal, you know, he's a tough guy. He doesn't do that. He was like, oh, it's so painful. I got this thing. I go, oh, sorry, sorry, Sal. He, we had a really nice birthday party for him at this, at the tree bar up there in uh, St. Simon's. Um, and, uh, and so they, they doused him with chemotherapy and then they went at the brain with the radiation and it was a three part thing. And, and so he literally was cancer-free you know according to the medical record he showed me from his doctor but the problem now with, with cancer is is um, they have all kinds of great treatments now the doctor said to him said um, well the good news is is that there's like 14 different kind of experimental cancer treatments for the kidney cancer um, but we can remove the kidney and I can survive and that's going to get rid of it all altogether. But the rest of the cancer that's in your body is metastasized. And so we've got to go at it with all these different ways, but we're going to throw everything at it. And they did, they did make it up to him. They did tell him, Sal, this is what we got to do. And we got to go all out and, and, you know, it's, it's going to be your choice. You know, with cancer like that, it was really stage four when it, when it was diagnosed he could have just packed it up and said, "I'm out." You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, say goodbye to my family and pack it up and leave. And he and he didn't. He manned up like the fighter that he was, and he took all the treatments that a, a human body could take, and and he survived two years, um, and then his body just gave out. His his brain was failing, and um, his organs began to shut down, and it was up and down at least for the last couple of weeks. And then, it, and then it, you know, he finally gave in. But man, you know, the guy's the guy's a fighter. You can't. He was a he was a fighter from when he was born, and he was a fighter when he died. I, I was on the phone with him, and he was in agonal breathing. He was, you know, but he. I said, "I love you, Sal," and he whispered something back. I, 
I, I think he said something like, you know, I love you too, man, or something like that. He whispered it back. Guy was still fighting, and he died four or five hours later. You know, you, got, you got to love a guy like that, man. Yeah, we used to, I, I mean, every time he would talk fighting, he would start getting in. And you guys, uh, Alex and Dax, know that he would always refer to, like, remember in Rocky? You know, it's like, Sal, would you stop? It's not a real fight, you know what I mean? You know, but but th that was the mentality. That was the mentality. And, and I know it bothered him, but you, you, you guys all know uh, Sal enough. He never really talked negatively about anyone, any fighter. Um, I, I'm seeing in the chat room here, uh, somebody reminded me that, you know, he was he was the only one. I don't know about Dax or Alex, but he was the only one that I thought of on this show that was a Wilder fan. He kept saying, I don't know. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and and then uh, afterwards he was like, well, maybe you're right. He doesn't really uh, he doesn't have much skill. I mean, you guys remember that, right? Yeah. He definitely was a Wilder fan for, uh, for what? <laughs> You know, for for quite a while, I think maybe it was. I forget which fight kind of soured him on a little, on it a little. But um, well, he definitely, well, maybe, he maybe definitely the beating he took from uh, Tyson well, Fury. Well, maybe he, that no, soured him a little. It was, it was definitely before that. It was before he was clearly exposed. But it was one fight where it was like, wow, yeah, he hasn't learned much. No, well, the thing was, was that you know he he started getting sick of all the the BS hype. And the first fight against Fury, um, that Fury, uh, I, it was a draw. I mean, most of us felt Fury won despite the two knockdowns. Uh, and I think Sal started really yeah. souring on him then. But then after the, the, the clearly loss, and then, uh, you know, Wilder starts blaming, you know, the trainer, the, the, the costume, the this and that. Sal hated that. He, you know, and oh, then I, he, he didn't, didn't say much. that? Was no. there somebody that liked that? There are still there are still a lot of Wilder fans. I had somebody make a comment uh, on the last show telling me that um, Wilder's going to knock out uh, uh, Fury in five rounds, and I don't know boxing because I don't like it, you know. And and I just it it just it's like fingernails down a back a blackboard because you know a lot of younger fans today don't know the history. That's one thing uh, that Sal I appreciated dealing with Sal. He, he he would always yes he always kind of went back to his era during his uh uh you know experience his time uh but uh um you know it it wasn't it wasn't the way a lot of young fans are today they they don't know the sport they don't know uh the way you know it used to be sal sal was a throwback even when it wasn't a throwback you know what i mean yeah, he was a throwback all the way, even with his shorts. Remember when he came in with the shorts? We yeah. were talking about it earlier. Yeah, the shorts, <laughs> he the socks. insisted on those shorts. Yeah, the shorts, the socks. And, you know, I, you, you put together a really nice tribute video, and, and uh, that fight was on it. And I, I was watching that, and, you know, it brought back a lot of memories that night. Um, you know, the, the excitement in the crowd. And, and you know, I'll I, I be honest. I was there. I called it. I was involved with it. I don't remember seeing the joy on his face as much as I did in that video. Um, it, uh, I guess I was just wrapped up in, in the moment, but you could see on his face how happy he was. It was like, uh, it was like the, the way he wanted to leave the sport, um, even though he was still talking about fighting on, but he, he wanted it to go that way, not the way it had 25 years earlier, you know? Yeah, and he had a he had a conversation with me when he he was running by his house over there on the 
north side of the island and there's a pathway in the there's kind of a, a, a walking path for people and he decides to go running at night and he trips over a root or something and he hits his shoulder and his shoulder was already kind of bad it wasn't good to begin with he had problems with it when he was 19 or 20 and he goes uh johnny goes uh, uh i had a little accident last night i said what happened i was running hit this route running at night tripped hit the shoulder and he goes i i think it's i think it's messed up and he goes to one of the doctors that you know regular guy there that's an orthopedic surgeon that's that's a you know a, a customer of his and the, the x-rays and he goes hey you know you you got a torn rotator cuff so i sat in my kitchen and i said to him sal it's 25 years and at that point uh 42 days before the you know from your last fight and you were faced with this and what do you want to do man we got tickets sold and everything but you don't want to fight you don't want to fight we'll pack it in we'll go and he goes ain't no way i'm not making this fight john i don't want any, no one else is to know about this we're gonna do this fight I don't care what happens. If I got to fight with one hand, I'm fighting with one hand, but I am not walking out of this the way I did 25 years ago. There's nothing that's going to stop me from doing this fight. And I said, okay, you answered my question. We'll go forward, and that's it. And and we didn't tell anybody else because the commission the commission would have would have stopped that fight in one second. Um, Frank Gentile would have stopped it. Dr. Alan Fields is the guy that approved him for it. If he had known about it, he would have stopped that fight in two seconds. Wow. But, you know, you go in and watch that fight. <laughs> so hit him with a, he kept hitting him with so many lefts. You know, he finally, you know, he well, was right. But Well, I'll um, tell you what. A lot of people don't know, and I probably shouldn't even say it, but, you know, uh, Sal's not uh, here to, to, to get mad at me, but Sal gave his opponent money. That pissed me off. I got to be honest, John. That pissed me off. Remember, he... He, he, he asked him, and he, he was helping him out. That's the kind of guy that he was. Now, I'm not talking about money for the fight. I'm talking about after the fight. You remember that. Yeah, and then yeah, and then it, the stuff started to go a little bad there, and I told him, I go, stop giving this guy money. Stop loaning him money. He's like, no, you know, the guy needs help. He's got some skill. And I said, okay, but it's not – the appearance isn't that way. And, you know, Sal – he was that guy with the wad of money that just, but you need money. You know, he'd say that to me. You need, you need money, John. You need money. So no, no, no. I have a full-time job, Sal. It's all right, man. And he'd pull out that wad of money and say, you, you, you need a couple hundred bucks? When I go, I go, no, Sal, no, no, yeah, no, no. He, I, he, I, I don't want to pay for my meal. He was I don't want it for free. He was typical Italian. He did that. But yeah. if, you, if you tried to sell, he would beat up his vendors. They didn't say that. He, you know, that way, <laughs> you know, oh, how much for peppers? What, are you kidding me? I'm not paying that for sauce, you know. The, the, I mean, the, the guy who pays his employees on a spiral. Right. <laughs> not a spiral notebook sideways. The one that goes on the top, the little he, tiny one that goes like this. He's in there doing his payroll on he that. He's calculating have, his payroll. Yeah, but it's it's deeper than that. He used to have the waitresses fill out and hand him a hand a time card. That yeah, he would yeah. have to go <laughs> yeah. and add all the hours up before he went and did it. And and both John and I would always say, "What are you nuts?" But you you guys you you guys Dax and uh, Alex you you guys have been involved with him on the show. Um, uh, you know, many times, and I mean, he he brought he brought he definitely brought something to the show. I mean, um, I mean, first, uh, what, what do you think, Dax? I mean, uh, what what are you gonna miss? I miss everything, you know, about him. The thing with Sal is that 
you know, I, I used to talk to him on the phone on a semi-regular basis. That would call me out of the blue. And matter of fact, when I called you right afterwards, I remember him calling me one day out of the blue, and I was surprised because it was in the middle of the day. And I know that the restaurant was open, and he broke the news to me. And at first, he was really strong, and he was, you know, telling me, saying, then next thing you know, he just broke down crying. Yeah. Yeah, and he he's that. telling me, you know, I don't want to die. I got one more round in me. And what I try to explain to a lot of people, especially on social media, that the Billy C that you see on the show, the Alex, the me, you know, the John, the Sal, whatever, you know, there's an entertainment part of being on the radio and, and on TV. So you're not the actual same person that you are all the time, you know, not all the time. Am I sitting there ranting about, you know, this fighter and this promoter and, and things? But I say something about Sal is there's very few people, and I put that on my Facebook page where, you know, with the best compliment I can give you is, you know, Sal was, he was a true person. That's how Sal always was. There was no, there was no airs about him. I remember when I had COVID, I remember, and I knew Sal was sick. And I remember Sal calling me to ask me how I was, what he could do for me, what he needed to do for me. And I remember when we were in Vegas, um, me, Billy, and Alex, and we had, that was just after gotten the news that Sal was sick. And if I'm not wrong, um, I think the, that Friday is when Sal had his kidney out. It was like on a Thursday or Friday that Sal had his kidney out, and we're in Vegas. And that was, you know, uh, leading up to the, um, the Canelo Jacobs fight and the media room was packed. And you speak about the Deontay Wilder fight and how Sal was such a big fan. I remember um, when the fight came uh, happened, and Deontay used that excuse with the costume. For whatever reason, I remember thinking to myself, you know, if Sal was only there with us, I wonder what he would say about the fight, considering I remember me and Billy walking from one side of the MGM Grand to the other, and that's like a 45-minute walk. It was terrible. With that equipment all day. So, yeah, I can see why Deontay Wilder was tired with, you know, the the, the 50-pound uh, costume. Well, I, I can speak. I, I know how that was. Vegas I, with it, I, know, know? I know how that was because I had to carry everything. Dax didn't carry a, one thing. The son of a bitch made me walk the whole way. That's Look, that's I was lot. like, I was I felt like Ben Hur. Dun, dun. <laughs> you know, but but I'll tell you something, and, and I'm glad you brought the Vegas thing up, Dax, because I don't I don't know if it was his kidney uh, that got removed, but he was going through something because Sal was going to come and make that trip, and his yeah. doctors had told him that they recommended he didn't. We waited till the very last second, uh, you know, to bring him, and he wasn't able, and that crushed him. That crushed him, Alex. That he wasn't able to to be there, and uh, um, I, you know, I, I wish. And then, then the goal was the next trip. You know, he was trying to get because then we did another one too, um, uh, the Kovalev fight, and he couldn't make that one. And uh, uh, that was it. He he wasn't really trying to 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 go. He wasn't able to really travel after that. But they didn't want him on a plane. That was what. That's what it was. Remember, Alex? Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And, and yeah, John, the uh, tribute you made for him was absolutely beautiful. Um, and I, I do think that for me, that was the connection. Even because we, ne even though we never met in person, there was this amazing um, connection. Uh, for me, it felt like a relative, like going to a, an uncle or a cousin. Um, 
and I think part of it, you know, I am Italian, uh, half Italian, so I think that that part of it was that ethnic. I, I have relatives like that, you know, um, and that that generosity he had. Uh, it even came through through the screen, um, and that's just a beautiful thing to be like that. Uh, I really would have loved to have uh, gone to his restaurant because. Um, you know, for me, that's a major part of my Italian heritage is uh, food and the pizza connection. I would have loved to uh, see him there making a pizza. Well, if you remember, you were you that whole show after I John after John, uh, you know, and I had to admit how good the pizza was. And I was talking about pizza, sounds pizza. Oh, it's the best. You know, it's only to say that's when the next day I get a knock on my door and freaking Alex sends pizza. Oh, no. Oh, no. This pizza's the best. And he sends me the stuff from Remember the Place in Connecticut <laughs> that, uh, you know, freeze-dried. They make it. You throw it. And I had to admit on air, okay, these are my three bet top pizza in, in the world that I've ever had was uh, uh, this place I, I went to in, in Westchester, Sal's. And then I had to admit that Dax... I mean, uh, Alex uh, came through with, and he threw in some, and in some local soda too. Have some of this, you know. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if the Connecticut is famous for it's uh, horrible driving, taxes, and pizza. I never, but, but that was the whole joke of it, you know. And, and Sal and I were like, "What do you mean, Connecticut? You know, we've heard New York for pizza. Some people say Chicago. And remember, we were in Chicago, John, and we're like, oh." We want Chicago pizza, Chicago pizza. So we send somebody out. I forget who went out to get it. And they bring us back pizza. And I look at it's not Chicago. Oh, you guys are from New York. I thought you wanted the New York style. We're like, what are you talking about? We wanted, we wanted, to, we wanted to try the Chicago pizza. But uh, The best thing about Connecticut pizza was when I was about 13 years old and Julia Roberts was actually so cute and uh, Mystic Pizza was out in theaters. That was the... <laughs> Well, Sal, uh, Sal would, I, I, you know, uh, eating, uh, you know, I'm remembering, I can almost smell some of the food, and uh, he he would always, that spinach, you remember, remember the sautéed spinach, John? He, he he would have, oh, that that was good. Yeah. He, made, he made his chicken marsal, I mean, anything. I, I actually, the, I never the, had a bad meal in that place. The, the, the lamb chops, and then um, I, towards the end, that's what I ate every time I went in there, and uh, I, I'm just thinking about it now. My mouth is watering. I know. I'm thinking. I was just thinking of the pizza, you know, and uh, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute. I love the marsala, and then he would always break out the cannoli, and then it was always like, oh, hey, 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 Bill, you want you you want a scotch? And he'd go in the back and break out the scotch because yeah, that wasn't in great. the front. What I was drinking was in the back, you know. Yeah, oh, I got this it, for you, you know. And the other thing was, Billy, he was he he would always have like one really kind of cute hot looking waitress he, there. they all were very they all were. oh no I, I used to i used to oh that one's nice yeah 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 well you know he, he, he but he was protective I of know, his waitresses of um there's there's one that's still there now she's she's i think she still works there for the family because she's the one that waited on my dad and the last meal we had there and i said and and i said sal you never thought you never thought about her he's no, 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 no. But 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 he would. When we, don't you remember when you talk about it? Because a couple of times we went in there and he had different wait staff there. He had all the time. He had he had the manager and the, and a couple of people that worked there, and then he'd always have a rotation of girls in there. Because Sal, he was a tough guy to work for. You know, he was all jacked up, and people in South Georgia aren't used to that kind of energy. And he'd say to me, "Ah, oh, some of these people are so slow, and they you know they're moving them up and all that stuff." <laughs> and then we'd say, "Sal, look at that." And then he'd say, 
he got angry, you know. <laughs> he, he didn't say leave him alone, but I we know. could tell that. I see Billy. I think he. I think he doesn't want us looking did, at his weight. He now. did. He used to. He used to like. I always had to sit trapped. I could never go anywhere, you know, because <laughs> he didn't trust me or something. I don't know. But uh, doing those shows there, um, you know, when we had to set up outside, it was it was cool. But the the handful of times that we did inside was always was always hard because the people came there and you know what was it from four o'clock on you couldn't you couldn't get a table i remember we did a i forget which event it was and we had people drive a whole van full of of listeners drove all the way i don't know if it if it was from north carolina or something and we just couldn't let them in remember uh um yeah. it was packed and, yeah, and it they, only they, held sixty-three people. I know. And I think that sixty-three was a lie. I don't think it needed. It could have more than when we had the Pacquiao Mayweather fight. There was. I, I at one point I counted the people because I was afraid that the the um, the fire marshal was going to come in, and there was like sixty-eight people inside there at the peak of the fight. Um, and 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 it was a great atmosphere. I mean, I, Sal loved it. I mean, it was just it was it, it was a really pretty cool place to watch a fight where everybody's on top of each other and we're, we're all in it together and watching. Unfortunately, that fight didn't turn out to be very good, but the atmosphere was not you know not to be beaten for watching a fight. It was as good as anywhere. Well, Sal loved the lights on him. That's for sure. He, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, not a microphone that didn't like Sal. No, that's for sure. no, and there wasn't a microphone that he didn't like either. You no, know? You know, no, not it, at all. But, was, uh, but but he performed. I mean, he could sing pretty well, and and then you know the thing with the boxing glove, and then like if you actually watch him tossing pizzas, he knew exactly what he was doing. Well, that was the thing. He was hands on in that restaurant. I mean, he wasn't just a, a figurehead there. But I I always laugh. We were talking about earlier in the show before you guys came on but he he would play this uh, Frank Sinatra and all this music and it was like over and over and over and, and waitstaff it just became you know so you'd see people sitting oh, oh and they're listening to waitstaff they were they were deaf to it they heard it so much and then oh, in the yeah. and then in the background once John put together his his CD that had all of his fights on it, that was always playing in the background, you know. <laughs> for for so, two, for, two, five years Yeah, I know, it was just like playing. everything, you know, and, <laughs> and you guys missed it, but he used to put a boxing glove on the end of, what, what do they call the, the the thing that they flip the pizzas with, uh, uh, Alex, the, that long, uh, oh, I forget what they, it's, uh, Oh. The pizza spatula. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. pizza spatula. No, they call they call they call it something, but a stick or whatever. But anyway, he put a boxing glove on the end, on the handle end. So when he was taking, when the guys were taking pizzas out, he would do head movement and. Oh, yeah, he'd duck underneath yeah, it. Yeah, he'd duck underneath it, and he would ring the bell. When, and that was embarrassing. John, you're talking about embarrassing stuff. You know, you, we walk in, he rings the bell, ding, ding, ding. It draws everybody's attention to us. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to slip in there for a slice of pizza, you know, and it's like. And he introduces you. He introduces you. He introduces me like, this is my manager. And then he breaks into his um his, his uh, Rocky Balboa. Always did the Rocky thing. He goes from Balboa yeah. to, to Mickey, you know. And he's, this is my manager. You know, Cut like, me, Mick. I'm, Cut me, Mick, he would always I, say. I manage you for one fight, Sal. Yeah. <laughs> that's my career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went got a manager's license in florida for one one fight <laughs> what we did it we did an event i think it was uh it might have been the amateur where he showed up again late he was always late let's be oh, real yeah. i love sal but he was always late he was, was late he was late to the restaurant 
He was always late. He, I, I think he liked coming late, you know. And how about, hey, how about when you called him on the phone? And you talk. It used to drive me insane. I'd be talking to him on the phone, and all of a sudden you start talking to somebody. To oh, I need five boxes of that. But I'm like, oh, Sal, I'll call you back. And, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I've got you right here. And it's like, Sal, I, I'll call you back. Call me when you're done. You know. But he did that all the time, and he had that phone. He had that little flip phone <laughs> flip that, he, <laughs> that he carried around with him. Um, yeah, Sal. Was, I used to uh, say to him, I said, Sal, why don't you just forget the cell phone why don't you just get a rotary dial and put in the if, if the service if there was still a service that would handle it i'm sure he, he would have had it you oh know? he he would have that thing you ever see like the ladies back in the 70s like my mom would have one of those little pad you put on there so you could yeah. go like this with the phone <laughs> i told him i was going to get him a pad for his flip phone so he could go like that with it uh, Sal's out there offering everybody in the world money and walks by and wants to give out hundred dollar bills like it's candy but you know what sal paid you know, get beyond the 1999 uh, flip phone that's over at Walmart. You know, so invest in some modern technology here. That's what I was saying before. Especially for somebody I'd love to be on, uh, you know, talk on uh, radio and on the microphone, you know, but then you still got this old flip phone. He he was I, famous for going, he should have got one of the, he was one of the, he's always hitting his hands and stuff, you know, it's like Sal, you know. But I, I loved when he set up the studio. In his in, the, in when he had the condo, this is my studio. It looks like a condo, you know. And it's like uh, you know stuff did, did in the background. Did you see it, Billy? Did you go to his house? I I did. I was there. Yeah, I mean, did you see the shit piled up all on over the, the place? The yeah, but did you see how he had where he did the the show from? There was yeah, stuff yeah. all stacked around it, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah it was stacked up on these I tables. Know. Well, just like That's... his office. Remember? Do you office. remember that one day? One day during the show. Some um, I think there was something in the chat. Somebody was saying something about his house, and right on the show, he to mention being in the back. I think Sal had left. It was like newspapers or something from the, a plate or something from the night before, and he blamed it on his girlfriend for not uh, taking it into the kitchen and leaving it there. <laughs> well, I, I know that I know that he had stuff. But, but but then he goes off into almost a little lifestyle of the rich and famous tangent on all the other great stuff that she put up and all the other memorabilia. Well, he, 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 he had his stuff, his stuff. You know, it was uh, always back there. But yeah, yeah. Well, no, well, there was there was one time still at his restaurant. There was one time. Might as well, I'll say it. There was one time we were setting up for a show, and. There was another female in there. It wasn't his girlfriend. You know, so I was just like, hey, Sal. Uh, and he said, oh, just, just a friend, just a friend. He never, you know what? He never, he, he I, I will tell you this. Sal was very respectful of women, not only with his uh, uh, staff, but a anybody. He kept, he, he, he wanted to keep his stuff um, to himself. And, and you got to respect somebody that does that, especially a guy that, likes the limelight as much as he did and um you know would have liked most most people would have been a braggart when it came to that but he was uh very respectful and and that's something that really showed you the kind of human being he was because let's face it we can remember everything we want to funny things uh but but sal was a great human being and that's what i think i'm going to miss the most not so much uh, a friend and, and a guy that you know i loved um, but uh, he was a great human being, and, and really, John, I, I can't ever remember him. I mean, I'm trying to think, and I've never remember him really telling me that he disliked somebody. I mean, off air and stuff, he would make some comments about different things, Italian type stuff that you know was between us. But 
Um, the truth of the matter is, is he's never really talked negatively about anyone, and you got to respect that. Look, at, I'll tell you, he was. Um, <sighs> my father died last year in June, and it was in dead in the middle of COVID. It was the panic; everybody couldn't do anything. So, my kids were there, and my sister Anne flew down with her husband, and virtually nobody else was in the church. And I told Sal, and he said, um, "I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come down there. I'm gonna come down to the church." I said, "No, you don't have to." He said. No, no, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do it for you, John. And and he came in with the cane, and he was, was kind of, it was shocking a little bit. He was bloated. He had just gotten treatments and stuff. And he came in the church where he's being, his funeral is uh, Tuesday, and he shuffled in with the cane. He, you know, he was not in good shape at all. And he sat down in the back of the church. You know, I looked around and saw him, and I just said to him, I said, Sal, thanks so much like you coming to this meant more than anything the rest of my family couldn't fly nobody was there my mom was down in memory care i had to tell my mom through the window that my dad died you know and but sal showed up and it was just our family four or five of us um my sister came and played the cello and the priest that my dad didn't even know and sal in the back and I'll never forget that. And I and I thanked him. I said, I, I can't thank you enough for, for showing that kind of dedication. In the middle of this, you went out, you you know, you know, you were in the middle of cancer treatments and stuff, and no one had shots or anything then. Yeah. And you showed up. I'll never forget that. That that's one of my last memories of him doing something just, you know, that's the kind of dude that he was <clears throat> that would show up in that situation for a friend. Yeah. yeah. It was huge. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think that's the thing that to me is kind of amazing. And I, I was watching uh, some of uh, John's um, an LDL TV interview uh, that you had done and just talking about the, uh, in a way, so much of most of his life was a blessing because of just the chance of avoiding that uh, catastrophic plane crash. And then um, the other thing that, um, I found very interesting from that interview was uh, when he was really badly damaged from one of those early fights, the doctor who advised him um, that retiring at 28 might be a really advisable thing from what he uh, had learned from Muhammad Ali's career. Uh, I was wondering uh, if you had, if you had any more on that, John. Um, so it was, um, he, he there was a couple of things and and billy maybe you can jump on here and agree or disagree with my with my interpretation of sal but sal was a little bit disgusted with how the end of his career went um he you know in the one fight he was hurt and whatever the story was there um he also got the advice to retire which but, incidentally i don't mean to interrupt you he said was the best advice he ever got he told yeah, me. Was. He specifically told me that he was glad that he he listened. He had a long, uh, extended conversation with his dad yes. over what they would do in that situation, and that's one of the reasons he turned his back. But he, you know, as well as anyone, he regretted it. He, exactly. He, he, exactly he, what he, it was going to say. Yeah. He's, the... He 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 <clears throat> he took the advice 
from the doctor and his father, but he regretted it for 25 years. And, and this Sal would always say, 25 years, such and such days, so many hours, you know, when he when he made yeah. the comeback, you know? 60, yeah. Uh, anyway, and go ahead. And he said, when, when I met him, <clears throat> um, he was an usher at St. Um, Williams Church, and he met my dad, uh, my mom and dad, at coffee afterwards. And he's in the coffee, you know, the, the, the donuts and coffee after church, you know, the typical Catholic church thing. And he's in the back. He's standing up there. My dad says, this crazy guy is out there throwing punches and stuff. He was a boxer. <laughs> and then my dad says, I made the mistake of telling him my son works for Don King. <laughs> and then and then the first time I, I, I see him, I, I meet him, he, he stops what he's doing in the restaurant. The restaurant is full. And he gets me outside. And he's got that smock on, you know, with and his pizza all over and everything. And he starts throwing punches. And I look and I go, and he's throwing them and he's, He's throwing them close to me, you know. He's he's going like this, and I'm I'm standing there next to that, you know, that fancy restaurant across the way there. Yeah, the one that never, and no one ever went. No to one ever own. goes in. Yeah. Right. So so he uh, he it, so he he does this now. It goes on like two or three or four years in a row. Every time I go in there, and I was up there pretty regularly, he's doing this thing. We got, we got to do something. So I, I started thinking about, it, and then and that's when I got, you know, when I did that fight in Atlanta with them. Um, Adrian Patrick, I said, "Hey man, can you? you what about promoting a fight?" And he goes, "Tell me it. the situation." And I go, "Tells him the whole thing." He goes, "Well, I'm in on that, man." He goes, "We'll do a fight in St. Simon's, all this stuff." And then the whole thing went on with the boxing commission. They didn't approve him. It was just like the like the Rocky movie. It was almost the same thing. He's in front of the commission. They say, "No, you can't fight." He's pissed. He drives home back to 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 St. Simon's. He goes, "That he he, that, he, he was a little pissed at Adrian Patrick because Adrian was a lawyer and didn't know the law." That after 50, you have to have had 10 fights in the previous 10 years and all that. It was, so a, funky, said, it was a funky rule. Uh, yeah, that well, I, I got on the phone and I made a couple calls and then I called Alan Fields, the doctor, and I knew him well because Alan was at all of our fights and he was a DKP friend and stuff. I said, hey, man, can you get him improved? He goes, yeah, well, what's the deal? And I go, he's in great shape, doc. He's fine. He goes, yeah, but I'm, I'm going to have to put him through a bunch of tests. So I tell Sal everything and a week later... Sal spends like $10,000 because it's not covered by insurance because it's he's going to get in all these tests. He gets, scans, an MRI, yeah, stress, yeah. he gets a stress test. He gets all this stuff. And Fields calls me back. He goes, yeah, he's fine, John. He's, he's in good shape, man. He's got a good, you know, he's telling me all his vitals. And I go, okay. And that was it. And I called Sal back. I said, we're in business, brother. And and then I said to myself six, six or eight months later, what did I get myself into when I was at that, at that fight in the ring? wouldn't stick together on the bottom oh, that what it, it, i hired no i know i, I, know I was no. like you, oh my god i said i'm never promoting a fight again this that, is the worst thing i'm looking at the ring and i go i'm afraid this ring is going to collapse i'm just like <laughs> sal can you knock up can you do something get this thing over with well but that it happened that that fight uh you know and, and credit to sal i mean he got in shape for that fight there's no he question did. about it. he lost yeah. he, he lost like what forty pounds? Yeah, yeah, he was one ninety. You know, and he, and he wanted to. He he wasn't going to fight at at lightweight, but he was. He would have if he could have. Yeah. But uh, he ended up fighting that fight at one sixty, right? Yeah. He, yeah. He weighed one fifty something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I forgot that. That's where I met you. Was the Atlanta. The Atlantic that Adrian, oh, that was yeah. a whole. That's a whole nother story with the. Yeah, with he's the, out of the business. now. No, I know he's he's uh, become a political figure now. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but in any event, yeah, um, 
that uh, that fight in in Florida, right over the border. That was a whole that whole Fernandina night. Beach. Yep, Fernandina Beach. I found a I found a gym. The city of Fernandina Beach rented it for two hundred and fifty dollars for one night. What that so, venue? Yes. Yes. Two hundred and fifty dollars for the night. Plus, we had to pay for. I don't know somebody to be there. Well, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff uh, Gibson, right? Yep. He yeah, he was he was the promoter of record. I think. yeah. He didn't have to do anything. He, he just it, showed up with his hot chicks those and those bikinis. Chicks. I, uh, when I was watching the video, I went uh, and somebody was watching with me. I went, "Oh, that's right. Those two ring card girls." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's right. That's Jeff." You know, and it all like because it just slipped my mind. You know, he showed up with them and he he played the part of. Uh, of basically doing nothing but let me use my uh, my my license to do this. Yeah, and we caught uh, Mark Lichtenfeld. So Lichtenfeld. Well, thank right. God I had Eric Botcher there to do all the ma matchmaking because he pulled on Wednesday. We didn't even have a fight card, and Botcher pulled it together. It actually um, was an entertaining card from, yeah, from was, start to finish. Yeah, it was it was it was okay. And um, I, 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 but I have to, when I was finished, I said I'm never promoting a fight again by myself never no one could pay me enough to go do that stuff and deal with the stress that was going on there with that but in the end uh all that mattered was sal got his his record and um and he was uh forever he felt like he was forever in debt to me and you and everybody else that put that fight on because he told me that you know right up to the end he goes you, you made my dream come true and uh, you know that he said that and uh and it was great. It was, you know, that's that's what our friendship was based on was that that whole fight, you know, and everything that led up to it and the record and all that stuff. And then, you know, he'll be my friend forever, man. He was a great guy. The beach, great dude. the beachfront open workout that we broadcast. Yeah, you know, remember about that? That? Remember yeah, that? the King and Prince. Yeah, right? at he got out King front. Prince. He's by I, the beach. I love and we that. Broadcast yeah. it. No, I know it was it was it was great. You know, I mean, <laughs> all this stuff. You know, but all those events at Sal's. Um, I, I think even I know the fight was great and we had all, a lot of stuff that we traveled and, and did to, all of us together. But the, the events at Sal's place, um, I'll never forget because of the conditions there and because of Sal's stubbornness, you know, like we begged him. How many times did we beg him, Sal? You got to we, we'll do an event here. We'll pack the place. You can actually because everybody, uh, you know, we can say it now. Sal paid for closed circuit, right? I mean, the, the, just to have an event there, uh, the food bill alone, because he wouldn't let anybody pay. I mean, like it just—it was all out of his pocket, you know. And he yeah. refused to 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 you know uh, uh, ruffle his customers. The, the customer, yeah, like, they, they come in on such and such. I gotta, you know, we'll 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 you know start doing this. And you were like, yeah, but I need to set up. I need to do this. You know, we need to take that back table. And he's going. That back table, three hours, I could get, you know, six different people in and out of there. No, 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 you can't have that back table, you know. You, you got to do it outside. Yeah, you know, you know he, he we, we went um, I, we went up to, to stream a Christy Martin fight, and he went up with me to do the commentary. And when we were driving up, somehow we got on looking at his reviews, right? He So he's got like 600 reviews on there. And I said, I, I want to look at the bad reviews. And um, so one of the reviews says, and it's it's the day of the Pacquiao Mayweather fight is the day that the guy writes the review. Came to Sal's, everybody told me it was great, and the damn place was shut down because he had a fight going on. And Sal saw that, <laughs> he saw the comment, and it 
it, it just solidified everything in his head. He, it just one customer got pissed off because we were having the fight that night, and there was and it was sold out. No one else could buy a ticket to get in, and and I could see him just shaking his head and thinking about it, and it 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 never you know never left his mind that he might have disappointed one customer. Well, the, the, the van full that drove from the Carolinas that couldn't get in, he was crushed over. He came out, he, you know, and yeah. and we we were so, you know, you. I you got you sit outside or something. I, they sat outside, but they ended up leaving because you had them so scared that the, the closed circuit police were going to come in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well. so, and, and we had to board up the windows or put stuff over the windows. And, uh, yeah. But I'll tell you, after all those events that we did there, the guy across, the, like you mentioned, that other restaurant across the the, the way there. <laughs> I mean, they Sal got Sal got. So so you're saying about people he didn't like, he hated that guy. So no, Sal but he never very, said anything bad about him. Not to oh, me. Oh, oh yeah, he did. Yeah, Not he to did. Me, he never did. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said he said so. So I'm half Irish. I'm half Lithuanian, half Irish. And you know, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, and I had my whole Irish family from 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 um, Utica. And I told you when we were down there, I said, yeah, you know, my grandfather used to use this. I think it's a slur. I never heard sure. that. When you said that, I never w heard it. Wallio. Yeah. No. Wa That's what he said. My grandfather said that. Sal knew what it meant. But Sal was the same. Like my my, my grandfather would say, yeah, them Wallios. And, you know, he just throw the word. You know, I had those guys, those Archie Bunker guys just threw this stuff out there with no. They didn't even care. So one day Sal's saying that. That he and Sal never cursed ever. I could never even get him to drop an f bomb or an s bomb or anything. But the guy over there, Delaney, was a was an Irish guy, and he go, he he say that that freaking Mick over there with that <laughs> shitty with that crappy restaurant, ba 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 ba. <laughs> and I said, wow, I didn't realize it was a rival. He goes, doesn't even have anybody coming in there, and he's worried about who I got coming in mine. And um, so one time we did one of the events. And I took the, you know, I bring, I bring that U-Haul um, trailer, and I, I, there's no spots there. So I found the last spot in the back there, and I, I, I literally picked up the trailer and put it in there. And Sal came in, he goes, what are you doing? He goes, the, Delaney came over and yelled at Sal. He, he, I think he went down into Sal's warehouse in the middle of the fight or something and yelled at Sal. Sal was down there doing something in his junk pile. Yeah. And Delaney yelled at him. He came back up, and I go, "All right, Sal, don't worry, I'll, I'll move it." So I picked it up and I moved it down next to Sal's little Alpha Romeo down in, in the bottom there. And and at that point, I realized there was a real rivalry going on between those two guys uh, as restaurateurs. And um, he was that was one of the few times he wasn't crazy about the the five and ten or the re the that woman there that sold the used clothes because he caught her one sunday before sal opened on sundays she came out took all of her stuff for wrecks and put them in where sal's tables are moved his tables and put all of her stuff there and he shows up for the first day he's going to open on sunday and she's got all her stuff there oh he was he was pissed. I, I don't know what he said to her, but it, I, I don't think it was too pleasant. You know, you, she never did it again. You mentioned <laughs> the parking. I remember for events, you know, I'd get there so early just to get a parking spot. It was parking, crazy. Man. And, and uh, you know, it was a two-lane. Uh, you, you guys never went, but it was a two-lane 
uh, road, and St. Simon's is very well-to-do uh, tourist place. So it's kind of hard to maneuver in and out. And uh, the park, went, you know, Sal's business did so well. I mean, they were there. It was always packed. And I just cherished a parking spot. Once I got there, I didn't want to leave that car, you know, no matter what. You know, it was like getting that spot in the city, you know. Oh, can't go. I got my parking spot, you know. The only, but, the only time to ever go in that restaurant, for some reason, there was a, a dark spot. And it was Saturday afternoon between 2 and 3.30. You could walk in and there was no hardly anybody or very few people sitting in there uh eating or anything and that when i went to my parents house i would go there i'd run there with my dad we'd go at you know 2 30 or two o'clock and nobody was there and then at one point sal got that big tv and decided he was going to make turn it into like a college game day or something <laughs> they did that twice two o'clock they lulled there they, was 50 million georgia fans in there they eating and the, drinking pizza and that was over you couldn't was, go there again I, on a I, football I, season i went in one day and he had to uh, you know they, they were watching the bulldogs and and you know I'm an Alabama fan, you know, yeah. and once oh, they found out I got, pay. well, I, I tell you the <laughs> truth. I tell you the truth because I've spent so much time there. I like the Bulldogs, you know, I mean, not when they're playing uh, my guys, but I like them. They, I was a forced fan, you know, and that was uh, from the from era when he was the quarterback. Um, but uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, yeah, Sal got, uh, and, and one time we, so we got that big TV because I, I had to come in and bring that projection thing. And it was a, you saw me, you know how long it took me to set up for that show? That took me as long as it took to set up for a boxing show with three commentators and four cameras. I know. It took me all day to set it up. So I said, Sal, why don't you just get a big TV in there? So I talked him into buying this TV. It's like a 75 inch TV. He used it and, and returned it, didn't he? Wasn't that he, the one? He, he got yeah. it in there, and the people and customers came in and go, Sal, what are you turning this into a sports bar or something? This sucks. That's what he and, wanted. And he and he took it. Well, you know, it turns out that he owned that building downtown, and I never even knew. I didn't realize it. He he owned this building. He bought it when he first got there. It was it, it was it was a very famous building. It used to be the Bijou Theater in downtown Brunswick. It was owned by. Um, uh, Paramount Pictures back in the 1920s. It was a hot spot. Yeah. And he, he bought the building, never did anything with it, but it's right there in the street. I know. I, I, I would, we could have opened that I, thing as a sports bar. Yeah, but the other thing is is we could have did all of those events from there. And it had the apartment upstairs, remember? It had, yeah. It, you know, and, yeah. And, and it was like all of that stuff, you know, and but that's, you know, that, that's the, the, the eccentric part of Sal Senecola. Yeah. There were certain things like you know, you can't say anything. You can't tell him he had a cute waitress because he was right. out. You know, uh, you know, he didn't want to use that building. He'd pay for it and everything. It there was a flood because of the roof leaked, but he didn't want to fix the roof. You know, and and all of those things. And as ironic as it turned out, that was where they filmed that movie. Yeah, live by night. So so that's the building in the movie where they threw the guy off the off the roof. That's Sal's building. Right, and they gave him a part. And yeah, so they, they gave him the one second part where he yeah. gets blasted in the face, which I, it took me. It took me on my editor. I had to slow it down so much to get the frame shot. I said, "Sal, you literally got one frame. You know, it's 30, 30 frames per second. You got one frame of Ben Affleck blasting you in the face with his." With oh, his he gun. was so happy about that too. I remember when that when he, um, he got that part and 
he called me and how happy he was that he was going to be working with Ben Affleck. And from the way he presented it, I thought Sal was like the co-star. Well, you, well, know, you know, you know what happened was he is. Ben he had to Affleck, get the card. He had to get the SAG card for that, right? Yeah. Well, here's what happened. So they came and they bought, they rented a whole city block. But Sal's building is still pretty authentic in its facade. So when they when they came to rent it, for Sal said, I, I want to talk with ben, ben Affleck. So you know, he went to Ben Affleck's house up in. Um, in uh, uh, where is it, um, Savannah, and he and he hung out with Ben Affleck and you know got the whole thing going. And then he, I think he sort of talked him into having that little part, and he gave him that little part in in the movie. But th that's where Sal was like, "No, oh, I'm going to be an actor." And he got himself a manager, and he took acting lessons, and yeah. then he was in a couple of plays up there, yeah, in um, St. Simons. And then um, yeah, he got his Screen Actors Guild card. Yeah. He sent him a picture of it somewhere. It's like. He texted it to me. And he had whatever. an agent. He had an agent that made him go down and do readings. Down. He was traveling and, yes. you know, all this yes. stuff. The, yeah. the guy um, that wrote the article, so y'all read the Google South Senecola. There's an article by this guy that um, is a radio DJ there in um, Saint, or in Brunswick. And he, he wrote this story about Sal. And Sal, I think it was in, I don't know, it was, a, it was some movie. And Sal dubbed over his audio, and the guy had to correct the audio and do all this stuff. And you know that was he. Sal loved that stuff. Just talking about doing that acting, he he was that was just a step under boxing for him. I know it it was he uh, was quite quite the guy. Uh, uh, Alex, does your uh, person that's in the screen there want to have any comments? Oh oh, I guess I insulted him. <laughs> He he just left. And, you know, I'm getting I'm getting uh, I'm getting people in the chat room. Uh, John Signorella said, "Hey, oh, beautiful cat, Alex." You know, it's like get the cat out there. Get, you know, it's about Thank Sal. You. It's not about Alex's cat. You know, He's but man. But uh, when you uh, jumped up on there, you see me. I'm going Pietro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I tell you the the other things too uh, with Sal is the events we did uh, in. Uh, in other sports bars, Carl King uh, was with us uh, several times, and that was always interesting to get those two together, John. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I was just looking at the chat room, Billy. I just missed your last thing that you said, and I had the sound up, so I couldn't hear it. No, I was saying about Carl King when we did the events oh, with Carl. Yeah, when Carl yeah, and Sal were together, it was like, Oh, yeah, know. man, those are two guys. Uh, the stories between those two guys, if you ever get the chance to hang out with Carl – Wow, does that guy have a lot of stuff in his head? You know, I almost called him yesterday, but I didn't want to do it because uh, Alabama put a uh, opened up a can of whoop ass on his uh, cane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and his you guys know? there. Yeah, 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 you know. But uh, I was even actually a little nervous. Uh, I could, I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, oh man, it's like a whole new roster for Alabama, you know. And it's like, oh, <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't you know, matter. doesn't They're matter who they good. are. They're all just you know romping. And Miami's got a good team. You know, so yeah, those days are gone for Miami, though. Those days of getting every single great player south of Orlando are long gone. But no they're, more they're, monopoly. Well, they they were they had all those sanctions against them that were lifted, so yeah. it should be uh, it should be uh, should be good uh, coming up. But uh, uh, yeah, Sal's going to be missed a hundred percent. It just you know, John, like we, we talked via email. It sucks out of all the people, and 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 don't get me wrong. I don't think anyone should should have to suffer um, with with death at all, <laughs> uh, let alone an illness like that. But out of all the people, and how helpful he was uh, with others, and the type of human being he was, it just 
it's so sad that he had to go through what he went through. And I never met a guy that was so optimistic and tried to stay positive. Even like Dax, you, you were right. I mean, he, he, he definitely had his moments uh, with me several times where um, he was very upset uh, physically and, and emotionally, uh, was uh, nervous about the outcome, but uh, turned the page and, and looked at it as a fight. And, uh, you know, and, and looked at, uh, I, I'm knocked down, but I get up. Good champions get up, you know. Uh, uh, and, and for the most part, I mean, it was like he was giving me blow by blow of his battle with, with cancer. And, um, you know, I, 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 inevitably, I, I, not to sound pessimistic, but I, inevitably I, I think cancer is kind of undefeated uh, in the long run right now. People beat it for a little while. Um, but out of all the people, I, I, it, it pains me to know that, uh, that, that Sal had to go through what he did and, and the extent of damage that his body underwent for that battle uh, was extremely sad. It's really, you know, I had, you're right, I've known a lot of people who've had that same thing. And a friend of mine's mother had a similar situation where she started to get better and she was doing well. I remember how well Sal was doing for a while. And they told her that she was in remission. And for about six months, she was going around visiting her grandkids. Um, she was coming up here to New York. And then one day she wasn't feeling well. She was feeling tired. She went to the doctor. He sent her for blood work. And the cancer returned. And unfortunately, the second time around was actually worse than the first time around. But the thing I'll miss about Sal the most, I'll just leave it at this, is that I say, you know, the way you talk on, on the radio and things we say, we criticize fighters, we talk about the fights, we criticize the promoters, and that, that's all part of the show. And the thing that was special about Sal is I've always had a lot of people say, because everybody loved his personality, and I've had so many people ask me, is Sal really like that? And say, so, you know, Sal is really like that in real life. And, you know, just the times that we talked on the phone and and the thing that with Sal is that he really loved life. And there's not a lot of people who love life because Sal did a little bit of everything. You know, he was a fighter. You know, he loved the, the acting. The time that we used to spend talking, because I have a friend of mine that owns a building where the movie The Fugitive Kind was shot, which takes place down south, but it was actually shot up by Highland, New York. And, and Sal would like to listen to these stories. And, you know, he was like, you know, he, he owned a pizza place. He would uh, set the... Um, the world record and what a lot of people what I love the story was some kids from my son's school when they first found out about um, him being on the show and you know us doing the show and they were asking me they had googled Sal and they found out about him being on the 1980 Olympic team and I remember that one time I asked him I said would you talk about it on the show and I asked him and he said yes and he discussed it briefly and then we spoke about it later on and I remember him telling me that story again and just, you know, how him and Bobby Chez were injured was why they didn't go over to Poland and him telling me that feeling that he got when he turned on the TV and he seen that the whole rest of the team died and how he felt ever since that he really appreciated life so much more because he felt like he was given a second chance and he was going to use every every minute of that and he wasn't going to waste any of that because it's not often that anybody ever has a second chance at anything. And, you know, he was a young guy then and Sal really did live his life to the fullest and he enjoyed everything. And he called me a couple months ago. He told me he was very disappointed. He said he was doing okay. And this was, I think, back around June. But then he's telling me he had to sell the restaurant and 
the tone of his voice was very sad when he said I could tell he was disappointed. He had to move back up. He just goes, Dax, it was just too much for me. And he goes, you know, but I am up in Jersey. I said, you know, Sal, how about if things go well over the summer, as long as things get back under control with COVID and that, and once uh, the kids get back into school, I says, I'll come down and I'll see you. And he, said, and he was happy about that. And I said, you know, so we'll just play it from there and we'll see what happens. And I hadn't talked to him for a while, but it's always one of the things where it's like, you know, you're, you're going to regret, you know, maybe I wish I would have went and seen him a little bit sooner. I wish, you know, would have put that little bit of time aside. But he was a great guy, and he was definitely somebody that, as Bill knows, John knows, Alex knows, to be around him, whether it was a day, a week, whichever, he, your, your life was definitely better for it. You know, I will say this. A lot of people don't realize Sal was successful in, in many, many things, not just the restaurant and, and boxing, but he was a hairstylist. He was an investor. Like, he uh, worked for not, not – it wasn't an investor. What, what did he do? He helped with people uh, – with with investments, right, John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a financial planner. Yeah, financial and then he was planner. An insurance agent. His his um the 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 um, hair salon that he owned was called the Uppercut. Yeah, no, I, I remember. But that's the kind of that's the kind of guy he was. He set his mind out to do something, and he did well with it. You know, I, a couple of things I wanted to to mention real quick. Um, you know, I, I regret. And, and we all have regrets of, uh, you know, not getting a chance to, to when we lose people, not getting a chance to say goodbye or whatever. Um, but I am thankful that from in my particular case, and I and I, I have to admit it, it was on purpose. I, I, I my memories of Sal are all obviously good ones. And, and I'm talking about the the physical part. I, I never you know, I've seen some some photos and video um, and I, you know, I talked to him while he was while he was ill and battling from a hospital bed. He was, you know, he wanted to do he wanted to do a show one day from the hospital. As a matter of fact, he did a couple from uh, from the hospital bed and and sounded terrible when you have the camera on him. But my my memories, the image, if I close my eyes and think of Sal, will be the Sal that was prior to cancer, and and I'm thankful for that. One thing I want to bring up is we did this event. At the hotel, that ones you were talking about, John, about the we were uh, calling uh, these fights, um, and uh, you know fights that we had uh, uh, aired like they were live. And um, Bobby Ches uh, got up to talk, and and Dax, you 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 brought up the the situation here with uh, with Bobby Ches and Sal, miss you know not being on that plane. Um, which they were both very close uh, uh, because of that. But Sal gets up and starts, I mean, uh, Bobby Chez, you know, Sal asked him to get up and say some stuff, so he's sitting there. Now, here we are, and John knows the area. We're in St. Simons, Georgia, a Bible Belt area, okay? very People are very religious. And <laughs> Bobby Chez gets up and says, well... I'm an atheist, right? And, and Sal, the look on Sal's face, and I look over at Sal, and I'm like, and and we're like, uh, what are you doing? You know, like, what 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 did you just say? You know, do you realize where you are? You know, and and, and he says, yeah, you know, I don't, I'm an atheist. You know, I don't know if it was, you know, for any, but something definitely was there to prevent me from getting on that plane. 
you know, and he says, and you know what it was? My father. My father didn't believe in anything. He starts saying that his father didn't let him go. Like he got, you know, and Sal, Sal tries to, to cover it up a little bit. And he's going, well, my shoulder, you know, I wasn't able to go because of my shoulder, you know. And uh, I, I just, you know, we talked about that afterwards and because eh, Bobby was having uh, a little too many that day. And uh, he was, uh, Sal says to me, I couldn't believe it. You know, he says, but I got to give, I got to give, and this is like what John, you said. He goes, I got to give everyone uh, credit. No one said anything about it. I said, yeah, well, <laughs> what, what were they all thinking, you know? And meanwhile, we got Ray Mercer there, who's uh, <clears throat> a, an adventure in itself. I love Ray. And uh, Marlon Starling, who uh, uh, was... Uh, you know, a class act always, but uh, it was a, it was a fun time, and uh, I'll never forget the look on Sal's face when Bobby said that uh, at the podium. I'm an atheist, you know, and here we are in the Bible Belt. But uh, you had to be there. But it was actually it's probably on our it's I probably it's probably part of that that show. But uh, anyway, uh, crazy. <laughs> I can't stuff. help laughing because as soon as you said the Bible Belt, I was expecting you to say that Bobby went up there and started off with a bunch of curse words and that, but the fact that well, we try, well, we try to convince Bobby Chez many, many times because he's had he's had life uh, saving experiences where you know there's no explanation. I mean, the 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 one where he was in the burning car uh, on the on the Jersey Turnpike and and he miraculously lives with minor burns and stuff. I mean, there were several times where he could. You know, kind of contributed to to you know a religious you know help, and he just refuses. You know, he's uh, he's like that character who you know no matter what, eh, you know, show me, I don't believe you. You know, yeah. Ches yeah. texted me uh, that I I texted him that when uh, when Sal passed, he wrote me back. I haven't talked with him in a long time, but um when 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 Sal was coming back. I didn't really know Chaz. I mean, he fought for Don King Productions when he fought um, Holyfield, that fight before Tyson. So I'd, I, I'd met him. I saw him at a couple fights. I hung out. We had a fight, a local fight there. And, and, and Chaz was a great um, color commentator. I was a big fan of his. But yeah, he's good. He, he calls up. He, I, I, I said, um, I said, Sal, we're going to do some announcements. And he goes, uh, find Bobby Chaz and tell him. So I, I, I look up. I Somehow I find Chaz's phone number. And he, uh, and, and he hasn't talked with Sal in a bunch of years. <clears throat> and Chez calls me back. He goes, uh, John, it's Bobby Chess. And I say, hey, man, thanks. I go, Sal's coming back to fight. And he goes, Sal's on a call? And I go, yeah. He goes, I go, hang on. Let me put him on the phone. And he gets on the phone with Sal. And he goes, <laughs> Sal goes, hello? And I go, Sal, I got Bobby Chess on. Chess goes, Sal, what the hell are you doing? What's the matter with you? <laughs> that's, that's his first statement he makes to him in like 15 years they hadn't talked. And then they stopped and everybody laughed and they started talking. And Chess says, you were, you were always crazy, Sal. You're out of your mind. What's the matter with you? You're going to get hurt? You're, what's the matter with you? He, on and on. It was great. It was a funny conversation, though, just the way he said it. I thought he'd say, oh, yeah, Sal, I love you, man. Well, no, let, but, let, let's speak for Sal here right now. I, I've been getting... Uh, uh, a lot of emails, texts, and phone calls, actually, um, from many different people about the state of boxing. And, and you know, I, I've been kind of staying away because I have personally have been turned off by a lot of the stuff that's been going on with the sport. You know, YouTubers fighting TikTokers and, you know, Mayweather fighting a YouTuber and uh, all these things. Um, but Augie from Riverhead, 
uh, it says to me, he left me a voicemail the other day. He says, I got to know, you know, I, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you think about the state? So if, if Sal were here right now, um, I, you know, I, I would like to, you know, get your guys' thoughts on what, how Sal would, would look at what's happened with the sport. Uh, I mean, Jake Paul does outrageous pay-per-view numbers. Uh, and incidentally, uh, I, I saw a video clip where they should have ruled it a knockdown. The ropes clearly left them standing. And, and um, I, I just, I mean, first, I'll start off with you, Alex. I mean, I, how do you think Sal, what do you think Sal would have said um, if, if I asked him the same question? What, what I thought, what he thought of the state of boxing today with the, um, with the types of fighters and, you know, these introduction to YouTubers, TikTokers, uh, Evander Holyfield stepping in for uh, Oscar De La Hoya uh, to fight on September 11th. I mean, what's your what do you think Sal would have said? Well, I think that, you know, I think he would agree with some of what you already some of the sentiments you've already expressed that, you know, uh, it, it's this is a sport you don't. Boxing is not a part-time thing. So I think that the, the thing with all these YouTubers, it is a little uh, disappointing, especially if you're a lifelong boxing fan, to see people um, become so successful uh, when there's other fighters who are, you know, people, no one knows um, that work so much harder. However, at the same time, I, I think to some degree – boxing is such that it it has room for both and i think that's the thing that i think we've all expressed about sal was sal was a live and let live guy uh he was a, a positive guy so i think the idea that um other people are having success he wouldn't um he wouldn't try to take that away but uh i do think that you know it, it probably i'm not sure he'd be too interested into it in it uh you know Kind of like, uh, you know, you know, like I know you're not too interested in it, Billy, and I agree. Um, but I don't, um, I don't think you feel the need to, uh, you know, take shots at it. It's not his thing. And I think the thing that is interesting about boxing today is um, we, despite all these things that happen and lots of cancellations and postponements, uh, boxing keeps going along. We've had some really good fights this year. Uh, and we have some great matchups coming up. I'm really looking forward to Joshua Usyk at the end of this month. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, and I think that's the thing about it is that that's what um, a guy like Sal, who came up in the age of you know the '80s, which looked I didn't realize it back then, but looking back now, wow, yeah, there was boxing was bigger and the talent pool seemed deeper. Um, so I think in that sense, yeah, there'd be a nostalgia that he'd have for those kind of heydays. But I think he'd also recognize that, um, that we are seeing, uh, some good fights still happening. Well, I, I, I know this Con consider this Sal Senecola, his style. Okay. Was that of Vinny Pazienza, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, those kinds of guys, you know, um, that, that came at you and, and gave it gave it your all. Jake LaMotta. I mean, th that, that style. Arturo Gotti. Yeah, Arturo Gotti. That's, that's Sal Sinicola. And Sal, I, I know many conversations on and off the air. You know, that's the way he thinks, thought of, of the way boxing was. 
And you're right, and, and I say this to people all the time, you know, if you asked me in 1985 if I was witnessing the last great era of boxing, I would have laughed at you because I wouldn't have thought that I was witnessing the last great era of boxing because I didn't think it was a great era. I was thinking the years before that, you know, in the, in the Ali times, in the 70s, in, in late 60s, you know, I thought it was a better era. Um, but, you know, as we know now, it was. And I think that Sal... He, whether he never said it on air, but trust me, we had many, many hours worth of conversations. He, he hated the fact that the fighters ducked and ran. You know, the one thing, and again, he never really said it on air, and anybody that's ever listened to the show knows how I feel about Floyd Mayweather. It's not Floyd. It wasn't knocking his ability, but I always thought that we never saw the best Floyd because of his style, his running, you know, and Sal hated that too. And, you know, yes, we know today that, you know, being like that, that style of fighter uh, has uh, long-term effects, repercussions, so on, so on and so forth. Um, but still, the sport, the excitement level, you know, uh, Alex, you, you mentioned some good fights uh, coming up. Yeah, but, you know, like AJ and, and Usyk, it was a fight I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, does Usyk have a chance? Does he have the power to, to hurt AJ? I'm, I'm curious to know what... What Sal would have thought about that fight, Dax? I mean, do you think that he would have looked at it from a uh, from a boxer versus boxer uh, a, a view, or would he have looked at uh, Usyk as being the boxer, the the Michael uh, Spinks against uh, Larry Holmes style fight? I mean, because I kind of see a lot of similarities in, with this matchup that I saw when Spinks fought. Uh, Larry Holmes, and I think that Usyk could actually beat AJ should he employ a a fight plan similar to what uh, uh, he did, uh, Michael Spinks. What, what's your thoughts? I think, well, again, once I found out that Sal had passed, I mean, Sal had this on-running joke every time we talked that whenever it would come back from some sort of commercial break, you'd have us on a split screen and you'd always catch me and Sal with like either one of us were drinking coffee or Sal sitting there with his face doing this. And so I can actually see Sal with that little face of his, like with that frown line sitting there deep and thing like, like Jake Paul, he'd be like, you know, well, he might. And then he would somehow find a way to refer him to somebody that he knew at some point in time in his life. And then he'd say, well, all I can say is that he better stay away from Canelo and stop making him mad because that's going to be something that he's not going to be too happy about. <laughs> and then when it comes to the AJ and Usyk, I can see him going right to Wilder. You know, well, you know, if you would have asked me this before the Andy Ruiz Jr. fight, I'd say that Usyk has no chance, but I thought that Deontay Wilder... Don't tell anybody, but, you know, I thought he was going to knock Tyson Fury out, but then I was a Sal, but you've said that a million times on the show. Yeah, I know, but that was just for the show. I mean, but I, I really mean it this time. <laughs> hey, John, John, I think Sal would have said something like, well, in Rocky Three, right? Uh, you know, he would have <laughs> yeah, yeah. come up with some kind of uh, uh, analogy based on – and I always used to say, Sal – it wasn't a real fight, man. It was a movie, you know? I mean, stop referring to it, you know? It used to drive me crazy, but the reason when you look at it was the whole the whole Rocky thought, not the fight, not the movie or anything like that, 
but the type of character Rocky was, that's what Sal related to. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and that's what he, you know, really, whether he said it publicly or not, that's what he missed from the sport. You know, that, that, that fun, that, that, that drive to, to work out and, pra- and, and get to the point where you're, you're prepared for a fight. You know, I look at some of these fighters, the Charlo brothers never did anything for me. I, I think they're overrated, you know, and I, you know, I wish Sal was here to, to talk about that, but what, what do you think, John? Always, um, you think he would have been, what would he have said about that? Well, fight? well, I'll tell you one thing. He, he will, he, one thing, and, and we actually had this discussion over the last, you know, year talking to him on the phone. He, he, um, he certainly isn't going to disparage any any professional fighter who comes back and fights. Uh, I talked with him about Mike Tyson after that fight, you know, and he, he certainly isn't going to be one to disparage any professional fighter who comes back and fights for whatever reason. But he definitely was not on air. Was was thought all of this YouTube fighting and stuff was a joke, as I think. Everybody that here, you guys are real boxing experts. I was in the business, but not as much an expert as you guys. But it is, it's it it is it does make me just clench my teeth and like there's no way that I could plunk down seventy bucks to watch Mayweather fight a YouTube guy. It just couldn't happen. And he, in the old days, even in a bad pay per view, I would plunk the money down to see two guys fighting for a real belt and all that stuff. And and Sal definitely agreed with me on that i said i can't bring myself to buy one of these i bought the mike tyson fight uh you know it was staged and whatever and roy jones ran for half hours as anybody would still run from mike tyson how about that commercial have you seen the new uh mike's hard lemonade commercial there's a commercial with tyson right and there's one hard mike's lemonade left and and this oh, guy, oh yeah 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 I have yeah, seen that yeah the I guy, see the guy walks up oh there's only one left uh, yeah and the girl's like that's eh, Mike's he's like well you know Mike oh, Mike yeah, yeah. Mike yeah it's Mike's and he's like I don't care and he grabs it and Mike Tyson goes out you touching my <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, the guy just it. puts it down it. and runs he said I was just gonna say there's more in the fridge he goes man that guy's fast as he <laughs> as he's running down the neighborhood you know but but, but uh, Sal I don't think Sal would come on the show here and I don't think he ever did and really. He, it was he was hard pressed to disparage somebody, no, no almost no matter what, and, and he did have that sort of respect for the boxing business that these guys that are in the fight business, as I do, I never stepped in the ring and got punched in the face, and so anybody that steps in the ring and is willing to get punched in the face for, you know, I I, I paid guys at Don King Productions two hundred and fifty bucks and withheld a hundred dollars in 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 money for their hotel room. I mean, I got respect for guys like that that are willing for 150 bucks to step in the ring and get the crap kicked out of them. Um, I, I will forever be respectful of those guys. But, I, 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 you know, I've lost a lot of faith with the YouTube guys, and I, I know that Sal lost some faith in it too because we did have specific discussions in the last year about these YouTube guys and about Mayweather fighting these ridiculous fights and getting his fan base to pay 70 bucks to watch this stuff uh, you know that just doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth and you know sal was not all about that sal was the blood and guts dude who didn't care go back and watch that choo-choo dixon fight and watch him step up step forward and take you know he had 
cuts all over his face and his eye was the retina was detached and he didn't he just didn't even care just stepped in there and got bloody and did what he had to do to win and that's how the guy's life was man his whole life was like that right to the end you know um he he was negative uh, he he did turn sour on on wilder he he was a big wilder fan for a while but he did turn sour on him when when Wilder just seemingly has lost his mind. But there was one time where he did come on the air and he was negative and he and it took him a while to get over it. But it was over Canelo. I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, he was anti Canelo over yes. the whole Triple G thing. When when Triple G and he wouldn't he, he just he 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 just the style that you know Sal fought. He couldn't understand what the issue was with Canelo. But then Canelo kind of righted the ship by coming back and having those big signature wins against guys that were bigger and, and all that stuff. But he did he was sour on Canelo for a bit. He was. Yeah, as I said, like John said, he was never disparaging. That's why I said, you know, if you asked him about it, Sal would just always try and go about it in a diplomatic way because as being an ex-fighter and that, you don't want to bash any fighter and, you know, you always want to have respect for the fighter. But now that since John brought up the um, the Roy Jones, Mike Tyson, Bill, let me ask you a question. How would Sal would have answered that if, you know, we went on on the show and you said, Sal, what do you think of Roy's comments at the end of that fight where he said everything that Mike touched him with still hurt? Roy is actually younger than Mike, and Mike smokes $40,000 worth of marijuana a month. How do you think they would have done in their primes? How would Sal have answered that question? Uh, I, first of all, Sal loved, <laughs> Sal loved both of those fighters. There's no question about it. But I did speak to Sal after that fight, and he was shocked. I mean, even though we all knew it was a, uh, an exhibition by definition, um, I think everybody that watched that fight and then had to sit through the fact that it was ruled a draw, um, that did bother Sal. That bothered Sal. He's like, oh, Tyson was killing him with those body shots, you know. And, and uh, you know, it, it was hard to to hear them come up and, and say it was a draw. And they actually had uh, some decent refs, I mean, uh, judges in that fight. Um, was Vinny who, – who was one of the judges uh, – Christy Martin was one. Well, she she was one. There was another fighter that was one, and then it was, I um, was it was it Vinny Pazienza? Yeah, it was. Pa I think it was Pazienza. Let me look it up. And then there and then there was a real judge, <laughs> but they all yeah, and they knew beforehand. Pretty much everybody knew that's what the outcome was supposed to be because it was yeah, it, it, it you know it was an exhibition and it was just more or less to. Chad Dawson was, was the other one. Oh, it was Chad. at the right time, right after the pandemic. So, um, you know, gave fans something to uh, watch. But for Sal, somebody like Sal and John, you know, you work with Don King. And considering Sal's era and how talented the 80s were, we're not going to say it's the last great era because there's there's great fighters now. The 90s was a great era. But they don't but, fight against each other today. That's not, the difference. I'm talking about the 90s, but anyway... And Sal's point in time where it was, if you weren't fan-friendly, you weren't getting on TV, and your career wasn't advancing, you know, back in the 80s, remember, that's when we had the um, Tuesday Night Fights and stuff like that, and that's, you know, Sal was that type of fighter that you would want to see, and you talk about all these great fights that would Fought happen his there. first fight on ESPN. How, how many yeah. guys make their debut on ESPN in prime time? Well, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, fighters, uh, fighters today compare. 
the promoters, right? So the promoters have have divided themselves. PBC is is notorious for only having their own fighters fight each other, you know, um, and so on and so forth. Bob Arum is no different. Uh, but back in the day, nobody hated each other more than Don King and, and, and Bob Arum. But, John, you know as well as anyone else, when there was a fight to be made, the hatred was put aside because these guys could all make some uh, big bucks. Look ba at, back look in the, those, those, those Fab Four, those guys were making five to ten million dollars per fight back in the eighties. You know, because of the, the the draw and how many people wanted to see those fights. Look at Don and and Aram brawled in the press. I listen. I I literally I can picture this one phone call where he calls up Bob. Dude, you think those guys were blood brothers? Hey, Bob, what's going on, man? Yeah, Don. I listened to him on speakerphone. There is zero animosity, and they weren't even working on a big fight. I can't remember what it was. It's, this is like maybe 2008, nine. I I don't even remember. It was you know, it, those guys were like all about business, and and the whole rivalry thing. It just made it. It was just show. When it came down to business, those guys got it done, man. Got it and done. That, that's they got the key. it done. Yep. Yep. And they, and they don't seem to be doing that today, though, John. That's no, the one no, big difference. They, you know, they're, they're, you know what? The success of Dana White and the UFC is partly to blame because they're all trying to have like a league of their own, they, so to speak. They're trying to be Dana White. Yep. They're trying to be Dana White. And you know what? You can say what you want about DK, but the guy dominated the business, but he made the fights when he needed to make the fights. He, I watched him. You know, when they negotiated with Oscar De La Hoya for Trinidad, both those guys had everything to lose. It did, you know, just over a million buys. But Don said, I'm getting this thing done. I don't care how it happens. I'm making it happen. And, and you know, that might have been the last time there was a really true two undefeated welterweights fighting for a real championship in a real fight. And it took enormous uh, powers to do that stuff. And there's not a guy now, any of these zone and all these other factions out there that want to step up and do that, you're right. They all think they're going to be Dana White and have a $4 billion business if they can do it. And they can't. You can't. You can't own it. Um, you know? Carl, Carl King and I were, were uh, <clears throat> having a couple of drinks and we were talking about, you know, along the lines of what we're saying now. And, and, the, and the, um, the knock on Don King is you talk to anybody that doesn't know the man and oh, he, he screwed fighters. He did this. And he did that. And, and Carl put it in perspective one day uh, when, when we were sitting um, and, and chatting about it. He says, you know, he goes, here's you take a fighter. And they're negotiating with Don. And Don knew the power of money, uh, still does. And he would take and, and, you know, he always had the cash, John, you know, and yeah. a suitcase full of cash. And he offers, I'll give you this much for the fight, I'll give you this for, and then slides, opens up a briefcase filled with cash, you know. And the fighter accepts it. Let's say it's it's a half a million dollars. Uh, you know, he'll give you, I'll give you 500 grand now, I'll give you another 500 grand after the fight. Here, here's the cash. You know, I'll take it. Fight, sign, sealed, and delivered. That fighter leaves that hotel or, or the office or wherever he, he, he did the negotiating happier than a pig and shit. He just, he's got a briefcase full of money. He's going to make another half a million. He's fighting so-and-so. He feels good about the fight. And then he goes off. Uh, a month later, he finds out that Don King is making $5 million from the fight. 
Well, now all of a sudden, he tells everybody that he's getting ripped off, right? And that's what really started everything. Well, the truth of the matter is, is how is a fighter getting ripped off when you agree to a, a, a purse? The time for negotiation was prior to finding out what uh, uh, Don King uh, made. It's the same in other sports. You get a football guy playing line, right? He's he's a, he's a he's a, uh, a lineman. He signs a, a five year deal for five million dollars. Two years into his contract, they bring in another guy, and he signs a five year deal for for eight million dollars. Well, now the guy feels that he's slighted and he wants a new contract, even though he's got three years left in the contract. It's the same principle, you know. You the time for negotiation is before you put your name on the on the contract. Once that's done, you got to own up to your contract and remember it next time. I mean, I, I, isn't that the case? Yeah, I think um, Alex and Dax, you guys probably remember this. Alex, you're the historian here, but Billy just described something that happened when ha Haseem Rahman went up to HBO and was going to re-sign, you know, when he won. And, <laughs> and Don, so I literally went to... SunTrust Bank and got the money that he paid Hasim Rahman because I, I was like Don's little bad guy. Go to the bank, they give me a check, and I'd cash it and bring the money back. One time, I three, four times, I had a million dollars in a suitcase driving from SunTrust Bank back to the office. So this time it was like a half a million dollars I think I had, and Don took it and he got on an airplane and he went up, in and Isidore drove him in there in the limo up there. And they sat out in front of HBO when Rockman came out. HBO said, oh, we got to get some stuff signed and we'll get you a check down the road and all that stuff. And Don was sitting outside HBO and got uh, Rockman in that limo and said, come on over here, brother. And I'm, I, I got right here. Click, click. And he opened up the suit, the, the briefcase that I got him of like $500,000 and said, forget them HBO guy. Did, you, did they pay you? No, man, they didn't. He goes, click, click, opens it up. Isidore told me the story. Click. He's in the back of the limo, clicks it open, and he's got the contract sitting on top. He goes, "It's all yours, brother. Just sign it, man. We'll 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 do this fight together and all that stuff." And that's how he got Rockman from HBO. And HBO was, you know, those guys were pissed. They hated Don, but Don was just three steps ahead of those guys. Corporate guys waiting for a check signer, and he clicks open the thing and hands him the the suitcase full of money. It was the that story is just so awesome. I mean, I wish I could have been there to film it and watch it because that was quintessential Don. He knows what these guys wanted. They wanted cash. Look, at I manage his accounts receivable. You know how many boxers didn't pay Don back? Uh, I can't tell you the number because that's Don's business, but it's a bigger accounts receivable than 95% of businesses in this country ever have in their life that is unpaid to him from boxers that didn't pay him back. More boxers ripped him off than he ever ripped anybody off, regardless of what was said. Because I read contracts. I saw what happened. I went to the fights and paid these fighters. And these guys with their borrowing money and not paying it back. Or in Mayorga's case, you know, I went to all of Mayorga's fights pretty much to pay him. Do you know how many times I paid him? Zero. You know why? Because he never had a positive balance in his account. He always had a negative. All of his purses were paying back the money he had already borrowed. Not once did I hand my orga a check. All those fights. Remember all those fights he yeah, had? Yeah. Paper views he did? All those, all, did those beer, all those beers and cigars he <laughs> Oh my God. He's, you know, I, oh my God. It, it, the, a month before the, 
the Vargas fight, he got his arm caught in the door at the South Gate because he was drunk. And I was with him the night before. I drank three shots with him at the South Gate bar 30 days before that fight, smoking out on the on the sidewalk and got his arm. His right arm got caught in the door. He was so drunk. And the next morning, we're like, oh, my God, the pay-per-view's off. Well, he I guess he shook it off and he fought and he beat. You know, he knocked out Vargas. Yeah. If you guys, you might remember that fight. There was some crazy stuff that went on, but Don was the man who knew how to manage that stuff far better than any of these guys know how to manage their stuff now. How do you he think he? Fighters. How do you think he would if Don was in his prime now, uh, or at least the '80s version of Don King? Because remember, a lot of people say he ripped off fighters when it, it, you know the whole. Uh, you know Tyson towel bill uh, when Tyson was in jail but how do you think he would have fared today with uh, with the types of fighters I mean even all sports I mean you look at these uh, Bill Parcells great coach in 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 his era could he have survived today with the the type of athlete we have and it's the same thing what type of promoter uh, that well Don King we know the type of promoter he is would he have been able to survive um, with the, the types of fighters that are out there today? Well, the, the, here's the thing. So when DK left the business, so I left working for him full-time in 2012, and that was really the, the, the end of his career. But he left a giant void in the boxing promotion world when he left. And, and, and whenever there's a void, you know, just like anything, like in the, in the, in the I hate to use this example, Billy, no offense, but in the mob, you know, when the mob boss dies or goes away or retires or goes to the home, there's a vacuum of power and it's either filled by somebody who's as good as that guy that left or it's filled by a bunch of half-assed guys who don't really know what they're doing. And I'm sad to say that that's the state of boxing right now. It's filled by a bunch of half-assed guys that don't know how to do what DK did. Aram's still out there doing his thing, but Aram was on his game because he had Don on his back the whole time. And look at those, the, the best fights you saw, you know, you know, these fights, when, when I started working there in 93, um, 94, we had four pay-per-view fights. Uh, the, the May 5th, 1994 with Chavez, the rematch with Randall. We had five legitimate, incredible championship fights on that card and every one of those pay-per-views Don said I got to give the people what they want championship fights with real belts with real guys that were undefeated or one loss fighting each other who normally in this day and age would never dream of fighting each other Julian Jackson versus uh, Gerald McClellan and Chavez fighting Randall in the rematch and like I just think about those fights it blows my mind up when's the last time you saw a fight card with even two legitimate championships on it with guys in the prime in their career fighting them you, you don't you don't and and what you That's see is point. you see one side of fights you know listen we've talked about this and sal uh had had talked about this with with us on this show many many times the sport of boxing had there, there were always rivalries in the sport of boxing with fighters you know uh sugar ray robinson jake lamada is one that comes to mind you know, you can fast forward. I mean, we, we had many rivalries. Even even Tyson Holyfield uh, was a rivalry. But the promoters were rivals too. You know, uh, it seems like we don't have the rivalries today. 
we have a champion. We have many champions. And then you have the, the mandatories. Well, we got to fight the guy. My sanctioning body's ordering this fight, you know, and it's like, well, how did he become the number one, uh, you know, guy that has a fight? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame, and, and that's one of the problems. But you're never going to fix it because the biggest thing, and, and I remember all of us talking about this on the show, uh, about the the difference in in the sport of boxing why it's not because at one time boxing was the king of sports and why it's not anymore because with sports like football and and baseball and basketball you're a lifelong fan you're born into it whether you choose to be or whether your father or grandfather or somebody else makes you i know in my case my kids and grandkids they're jets fans unfortunately i've tortured them with that um but it's the way it is we don't have lifelong boxing fans anymore. We're probably a handful of them left or any old timers. The young fan today are a boxer fan, not a boxing fan. Yeah, they, absolutely. They, they have yeah, a, yeah, a they, favorite boxer. You know, uh, Floyd Mayweather retires. All those fans that he, you know, made those millions and millions of dollars with, are they still watching? You know, do we have a, you know, I get the, 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 the uh, Wilder, you know, they, he has his loyal base, you know, are they a fan of the sport or just Deontay Wilder? Same thing with AJ and, and all these fighters, you know, and that's the biggest problem. We don't have boxing fans. We have boxer fans. What do you guys right. think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely. The, the thing with Don is he was so dominant that now the UFC what a lot of people don't realize is the UFC took to the internet first before we had Wi-Fi, before there was Twitter. And no, Facebook LDL and TV that. and Talking Boxing with Billy C took the internet first. They yeah, had to go to the internet first, and they actually used stuff on the dark web because, remember, Senator John McCain, before they really got organized, called the human cockfighting, and no, nobody would broadcast them. They didn't have any um, networks. They had no contracts. So they used to have to either do direct-to-video or they would use the internet and they would use their own websites. Now, Don King being so dominant, remember, even back in the early 2000s, Don was putting on these great cards. You talk about money at, at cards. Now, I remember... When owned the gym up in Schenectady, getting a call on December, I think it was like the, the second or third, from somebody saying that Cedric Kushner needs a ring and can't find one. There was a card over in um, at the Pepsi Arena. Hasim Rafin was fighting on the card. That's before Hasim Rafin got any, um, they, um, you know, before he became a name. And they had some uh, both guys, Carl Daniels, the former cruiserweight champion, fought on there, passed his best. And um, so we rent the thing out. And I remember going in the back and Cedric Kushner opening up this briefcase full of money and paying everybody in cash. But those days are gone. And you talk about with the um, how guys blame Don King anytime. And you're right, John. Anytime people mention Don King, you mention somebody who doesn't know any better. First, oh, he was a crook. He did this one. He did this one to that one and this one to that one. I remember Matt Baranski telling me when I was a kid, even before he lost to Buster Douglas, he said Mike is going to lose because Mike kept calling him from Japan. And then I remember him telling me a story about 1993. I wasn't even old enough to drink yet. And um, he's telling me a story about you know, Mike spent all this time in his room because he had all his followers with him, the hangers-on. Remember what a fiasco that was with the, the glove for the ice thing and that. And he said, all these Japanese people, they had never seen Mike Tyson before. They wanted to see him out there. So what they're doing is 
they're just camped outside the hotel, and all the uh, Mike Tyson uh, hanger-ons are signing his name onto the little hotel towels and throwing them out the window. He said, if any two people were to compare the signatures and realize no, no two matched, but they threw tens of thousands of them out there. The hotel had to actually order more, and then they're throwing more stuff out there. And Mike has no idea any of this is going on. Because Mike is locked in his room. He just did not want to be bothered. He had that bald spot because he's pulling hairs out of his head. And then all of a sudden it was Don's fault. Don got ripped off because the hotel wanted to be reimbursed and Don had to come out of his pocket. And then all of a sudden it was Don's fault because the hotel had jacked up the price and Don was paying. And however, Don probably added a few dollars onto whatever they were charging him. I think I heard something. It was like anywhere between 75 and $100 per hand towel that uh, Tyson got charged. But it was just the fact of... It's the business side, and like you say, you no, know, it's pay attention. You know, how do you think it, nobody's going to sit there and go broke? And you're 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 grown. You're you're not going to have a babysitter now. You're in a business, and Alex, if you're going to have follower on, they're the guys that hurt you worse than anything. Alex, October 9th, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, three. Um, what do you think Sal would have thought about this fight? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think he'd be. I think he'd be looking forward to it only because I think, you know, uh, like a lot of us, uh, it's hard not to want to see what the heavyweights do. Uh, and 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 like we've said earlier, I think he did like Deontay Wilder because I think the same reason everybody is sort of fascinated by him is it's just an incredible amount of power that he has and that equalizer. It's um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I, I don't know what he would have, uh, what his prediction would have been, but, um, I, uh, personally, I, I think that, um, Fury wins again. And, uh, I don't know if he won easier than, uh, the last time because the layoff he had has been tremendous, but, um, I look for him, I look to him to win a, um, you know, convincing, uh, third fight. Well, you know. A lot of times, fighters have another fighter's number. And I ask about that, John, because, you know, Sal did like Deontay uh, for a, a while, loved his punching power, tried to give him uh, some credit. He, he respected Mark Breland as a trainer. Um, after the second uh, Fury fight, you know, it was obvious that Wilder wasn't going to beat uh, Tyson Fury again ever I think that you know if they fight a hundred times I, I think I think Fury wins at least 99 I, I think that Sal and this is just my opinion I think Sal would have said um, basically what I just said that he would think that Wilder's going to lose again I, I, I as many people that support Deontay Wilder feel they bought into the excuses and they feel his punching power uh, is going to carry him through because he can hurt Fury. Fury can be knocked out. Um, he hasn't yet, but he, he shows that he could. Um, but the fact that Fury uh, is facing a guy in Wilder who's a one-trick pony and knows this and has been in the ring with him, you know, uh, actually, you know, two fights already, I, I, I think Sal would have admitted that there's no way that Wilder wins this fight. I mean, what do you think, John? I, I actually had a discussion with... Sal and I said uh, I had this discussion over and over with Sal about fighters. <clears throat> you know how there's, there are those fighters, and you guys, the historians, know this better. But there's that defining fight where a fighter 
His career is over, but he fights on and on and on. Uh, Meldrick Taylor getting knocked out by Chavez. I think Meldrick Taylor's career was over at that point. Uh, there have been other guys. I think Roy Jones, when he got knocked out by Tarver, that was it, and he should have quit right there. We, and I and I and I had the, I said to Sal, do you think that this beating that Deontay Wilder took, and the subsequent denial of what happened, and the way he got beat, you know, so decisively, and and was just dismantled like he's never been, you know, a guy with all these wins and knockouts, and and I said, Sal, do you think he's shot? And I remember Sal specifically saying, maybe John, maybe he's shot. I said, and we might not find out in the next fight. It might, like Meldrick Taylor went on. I remember Meldrick Taylor fought all the way to the end of when he fought Chavez again, I think in September of 94, years after that loss. And he was clearly a shot fighter. And then when Meldrick Taylor, when I saw him in the, we picked him up in the airport in the car and he was completely punch drunk. And all I could think about was that knockout. I think Sal agreed that there's a possibility that that knockout that happened to Wilder changed him and finished him forever and I don't even know in this rematch this third fight if you're going to see whether that happened or not if Fury knocks him out again in the same fashion that will confirm what I believe to happen right now I think that Wilder is a shot fighter that's what I think based on the way he acted Watch that fight again. When I watched it again, I went, wow, that was a real beat down that guy took. And psychologically, he was not able to handle it with all the crazy excuses and firing Breland and all the other stuff that he did. And I and I think Sal was on that board with me. I mean, I, I said to him, I go, you think he's shot? And Sal said, yeah, maybe he is shot. Maybe he's done. The, but the, the big reason with, with Wilder, and it took Sal a little while to, to recognize this because he was infatuated with the guy's punching power. And it is freakish. There's no question. No, I mean, you can't deny that. But what happened to, to Wilder happens to a lot of fighters. You get people in their ear telling you how great you are. You start to believe it. He never really learned how to fight. He's got no leg footwork. He's, he, he, he had a jab in one fight. Um, you know, now they're they're saying, well, he's got a good trainer, Malik Scott. Malik Scott, that was the fight that they, you know the guy laid down for him. You know, what I mean, you know, you're telling me that Malik Scott's a better trainer than than Mark Breland. You know, the 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 problem is fighters aren't allowed to develop inside the ring with other fighters. Everybody's trying to protect the O. That's something that is drastically different um, with the sport of boxing today. Uh, of how it was, and you can make the argument that it's safer this way, et cetera, et cetera, for the A side. The B side guys are getting pounded. You know, they become that opponent. You know, so, I, you know, in De Deontay Wilder's defense, you know, here's a guy that has one thing. He's a one-trick pony. That's it. He's got punching power. That's what he's going to rely on. He's going to rely on it again with fury. He's going to hope for that knockout. And let's face it, and we all know this, you know, Tyson Fury, yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a, he can, you know, ha, has the the skill set uh, of a of a boxer. 
but he does not have the punching power of a seven foot four man. I'm sorry, he doesn't. You know, he's not known to give beatings like he gave to Deontay Wilder. But when you can't defend because you don't have defense and you can't move out of the way of a punch because you have no footwork and all you're doing is headhunting with your, your sledgehammer of a right hand and you, you're facing a guy with boxing knowledge like Tyson Fury, you're never going to beat him, ever. Tyson, uh, Deontay Wilder never fought a tough fight before Fury. Who did he beat? Oh, we can't say... Come on, John. You know Stavern personally. I mean, you know this guy. You know, I mean, come on. We we all gave Wilder credit when he beat Stavern. But, you know, who was Stavern? How, who did he fight him and win? You know, he was embarrassing when he came back uh, for the rematch. And then he was embarrassing again when he tried to make another comeback, you know. And we all know for a fact that he wasn't even training or anything. You know, so... Yeah. It's 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 a shame. It's a shame. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, we're off a little topic here. I, I mean, you know, Sal, I, I know, John, you're, you're going to be uh, you have a link available for people that would like to uh, uh, witness the funeral. Could you want to talk about that? Sure. There's a link on LDLTV.com, SalSenecola.com, SouthernGourmetSpice.com, the LDLTV live channel. And I think are you? Did you push a link out on your page? I'm going to take your link uh, to the YouTube. I'll put it on the okay. front of uh, BillyCBoxing.com. Yeah, it's uh, pretty so, much everywhere. So people can uh, can check that out. Uh, what about the tribute video, uh, John? Is, can I uh, post, post that onto the uh, the website? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, did it, I, I'll send it to you, Billy. But it's it's on my LDL TV live YouTube page. It's on Sal's page on his. Um, facebook right now it's a whole bunch of places yeah i just remember me and bill were talking the other night and bill was saying he wanted to get that like on the corner of the website to uh yeah i'll send it to you yeah i'll send i'll send it i'll, I'll send you send me that link and i'll send it to uh dax and he can he can put it on the site so okay but uh but listen um uh we're gonna you know i just my final thoughts I, i'm gonna miss sal immensely um as a friend and obviously as a co-host of the show uh because of sal we you know when he got sick and he couldn't be part of the show when you add that to the state of the sport i'll be honest and i know alex and i have talked about it i just couldn't couldn't get into it it wasn't the same anymore it's certainly never going to be the same uh without sal but i i feel i feel that i owe it to sal um, to continue with the show on a regular basis only because I know how much he loved to do it. And, you know, I, I think that's reawakening my own feelings uh, about the show and the sport. And I know Sal's looking down on us right now, and, and I want to thank him uh, for doing that because it is something I love. And, um, you know, I'm going to miss Sal a lot. So I, if you guys have any final thoughts. Yeah, I just want to say... Um to his family, especially his two sons, who, um, you know, just had a real affection for Sal. His, his, his younger son, Mickey, looked like Sal, was an athlete like Sal, and um, I, I, I know those guys are just uh, terribly upset. Uh, to Lisa, um, who is his ex-wife, but uh, took care of him. She said to me in that interview I did with him uh, there a year and a half ago, I said to her, Lisa, thank you so much for taking care of Sal. I, she said, look, it, we're Italian, we're family, we'll always be family. 
I'm taking care of this guy as long as he needs me to take care of him. And that was like, I, I, when she said that to me, I was like, wow, what a person. So Lisa, uh, I just want to thank her for everything she did, taking care of his business, getting him to his appointments, driving him. She, she drove him down to this Christy Martin fight to do commentary. That was the last fight he did commentary on with the cane and everything. To his family, his extended family, his brother, who I've talked with this week, uh, really sorry for your loss. It was a big loss on the boxing side, on the pizza side, on the human side. And, uh, you know, I'll miss Sal forever. I mean, I miss the guy already. But uh, RIP, Sal. Yeah. Um, well, hey, Dax and, and Alex, uh, I'm glad you, you, you sat in with us. And uh, we'll be uh, back next week. We're going to be doing uh, the show. And uh, we'll talk to you then, all right? Yeah, thanks so All much, right. Jack. Uh, my you. condolences to everybody, and uh, thanks for very much for letting me be a part of it. All right, brother. Thanks. Well, John, uh, you know, Dax and, and Alex, uh, obviously a, a big part of uh, the show, and um, we will be continuing uh, doing the show now. Like I said, I, I, uh, I, I feel I, I owe it to Sal. Um but uh, but in any event, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and um, we're going to end the show right now. But don't go anywhere, John. I want to thank everybody uh, for for joining us right now, and uh, uh, look on our website and go to ldltv.com uh, for if you want to be part uh, or at least witness uh, the funeral services for Sal. And you, if you didn't see the tribute John put together uh, on. Uh, for South Rocky Senecola, it's great. Um, and I, I too want to mention and thank Lisa. Uh, I was shocked the first time Sal told me I was talking to him, and and he says, "Well, Lisa's here taking care of me." And I said, "Lisa, you know, I'll be honest. You know, I was, you know, I mean, they had a rocky. There was some rocky times there uh, towards the end. Uh, well, not towards the end, but I mean, prior to that." And he said, "Yeah, she's been great." And he was sincere and and you know although i never really got to talk with lisa much um i like you i i really respected her and and i give her a lot of credit for uh putting whatever she had to put aside and and really came through uh for both uh, sal and the boys because uh i'm sure that they're going through uh some stuff right now too so for everybody watching and listening thanks for joining us um i wanted to do a tribute to sal uh, but like I said, you, you, you don't want to miss the, the tribute video that uh, John and LDL TV put together. And check out LDLTV.com or like you heard Dax say, he'll post it up on BillyCBoxing.com. Thanks and tune in next time.